0: Audio Podcast Network. Part of the Boundless Audio Podcast Network.
1: I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And this is a whining about her hashtag history crossover. <laughs> <laughs> If you can't tell, I I, uh, I I have been catching up on episodes because I, I like let them lap so I can binge them because I can't just like take one episode. So it's all mm-hmm. it's it, that's all that's in my head right now. So yeah, the art theme song is stuck in my head a lot of the time, too. Constantly. Yeah. I love it. Well, if you haven't already guessed, this is another very special episode of Whining About Herstory. Where two besties with breasties whine about women from history you haven't heard of. And sometimes we go times two and bring in our pod besties, Rachel and Leah of Hashtag History.
2: Thank you so much for having us. We love coming on your guys' show. Yeah.
1: Sorry, it's been a minute. Um, yeah. just just oh, getting our normal no episodes apologies. done have been has it's been, been an lot. adventure in itself.
2: Yeah. So living is holy totally understand. Yeah,
1: yeah. R- really, what it took was um, it was like mid February, and I'm like, oh God, Women's History Month is next month. And I was sitting, I was drinking some wine and like building up my courage. I just started messaging people on Instagram. I'm like, you wanted me on the show? (laughs) And then the next morning I'm like, Emily, what have you done?
2: (laughs) No, I would say 99% of the time when we have invited guests on the show, I was drunk when I asked. (laughs) Yeah, When you have that that liquid courage.
1: Yep. Yeah. Because you're just like. It doesn't matter. Everything's fine. Everything's a simulation. Who cares? And you wake up the next morning and you're like, oh, consequences.
2: Mm. <laughs> so fun. Well, we're glad that you drunk texted us. Yeah.
1: Always. <laughs> I'm a very I'm a very lovey dovey drunk. Mm -hmm. Where like my friends know I'm drinking because I start texting them and snapchatting them. Like you get the
3: random I love you and you're like, are you
1: okay? I just want to let you know that you're a wonderful, beautiful person and the world is
3: better for
2: you. you And
1: ends like God damn it, Emily, stop drinking.
2: (laughs) Although it's nice though. Yeah, it is. I love getting getting those. I love you so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, if you are already not familiar with hashtag history, seriously, what have you been doing this whole time? They have been on our show before. We have been on their show. We tackled the Radium Girls together and that was awesome. A whole ass trip. Yeah. God's yeah. sakes. But I'm going to turn it over to Rachel and Leah to tell us in their own words who they are and what they're all about.
2: Besides yeah. awesome. So thanks thanks again for having us on the show. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we are a weekly history podcast. We cover history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. So the things that we like to cover on our podcast, we've covered uh, topics like Chappaquiddick or Jack Ripper, the singer of the Titanic. Uh, we've covered even the history of Disneyland because, of course, there's some corruption oh, yeah. in there. And s- similar-ish to Kelly and Emily. While our podcast is not a women's history podcast, we definitely love to cover women in history too. So at least once a season, we try to sprinkle in a, a female focused episode.
4: It's yeah. usually more than that, though.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, <laughs> because it's so hard not to. Our, our, right. our female, our feminist comes out. Yeah. And there's multiple <laughs> women's history episodes. Yeah. Well,
4: and, and also it... oh, somewhat sorry, go ahead. similar no, yeah. So sorry. Also somewhat similar to what you all do is we we have a cocktail segment, not a wine drinking segment on each episode where we tie in a cocktail of some sort to that week's topic. So and then uh, obviously sometimes drunk rambling. Yeah. ensues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: We know that feeling. Mhm. But I was going to say, it, it took so little for women to be controversial back in the day. Like, exactly. but Of course, those stories are going to pop up because it's like, oh, God, she wore pants. And that's a yeah, whole probably. thing. Yeah, and then, yeah. That you said yeah. That. and then everyone loses their fucking minds.
4: <laughs> it's really funny that you said that. Oh, my it's God, she's wearing pants and that. smoking.
2: It's- she's a fucking communist. Um, We will be discussing pants a lot in this episode, yeah. what, uh, what we're Yay. bringing to you ladies. So that was an incredibly... Perfect segue. Yeah, when you are ready. I hope that you have your pants permits. <laughs> no. They are needed because where we're headed in history, pants are illegal in most parts of the country. So for women,
0: no, for yeah. everyone, no, <laughs> for <laughs> literally everyone, <laughs> has no, to pants wear allowed. skirts. Was that like really everyone
1: weird skirt period in yeah, the early yeah. 1900s where yeah. everyone was just like really enjoying the breeze in their nethers? <laughs>
2: Yeah, it is it is actually illegal to cover up your private parts. So that's where we're headed in history. <laughs> Woohoo!
1: Oh, my God. Well, so because Hashtag History does a cocktail segment and we traditionally do wine, we decided to combine those two with a wine cocktail called Rosé the Riveter. And um, I don't know how your experience getting the ingredients for this cocktail worked out. When I chose it, I was like... It's a wine cocktail, and it's a feminist pun, and that is as much thought as I put... Oh, and no gin. And that's as much thought yeah. as I put into it. I did we not realize you. what a nightmare it would be running around to different liquor stores trying to be like, do you have like honeysuckle vodka? And people looking at us like I asked for baby's blood. It was <laughs> it was a nightmare. It was fun.
4: Yeah. Well, welcome to my world, uh, our world, because uh-huh. a lot of our cocktails are often made up of some weird or obscure uh, liquor. But I think the difference here is where we're at, we have Total Wines, which carry every kind of liquor known to man. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little jealous. Yeah. That,
1: so, that That's what we need. We need a Total Wine here.
4: Yeah. So I i was able to find actually most of the um, ingredients pretty easily. I did substitute out or make my own for a few of them, so I don't think I had quite as hard of a time as you. <laughs>
1: So what, what I'm going to do jealous. really quick, I'm just going to read the ingredients. So this uh, this cocktail is from uh, the bar at the Spectator Hotel, and it's like a very like 20s, you know, Great Gatsby Zelda, you know, loungy place. And the ingredients are 1.25 ounces of cathead honeysuckle vodka. We couldn't find honeysuckle flavored anything, mm-hmm. to the point where I'm like, is a honeysuckle real? <laughs> Has anyone ever seen one that's not on a Bath and Body Works label? Tell me. I mean, I will
3: say it is it's not exactly honeysuckle season in Minnesota. Well, it just <laughs> we just had like a mini blizzard yesterday. It's fine.
1: Uh 0. 0.75 ounces of giffard pamplemousse liqueur, which we had to look up. Grapefruit. It's grapefruit yeah. liqueur.
4: French. I took for grapefruit. high school French, so I knew that. I was like, I of am, course the French named grapefruit. I then. wish
1: we were covering a <laughs> French person because I'm like, finally we have someone who can like passably pronounce this bullshit because we're we always like fucking France. Know what's
4: so funny is like uh, there there was one time where we had a topic that was very French-focused, mm-hmm. and I, I was saying all the names, and then I realized I was saying, like, the main name wrong. So. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> After the episode After was already published, was published, right? Yep. So.
1: Mm-hmm. It's okay. Everything's made up. Yeah. Uh, half, uh, where did I go? Oh, yeah, half an ounce of Contro. Uh, a quarter ounce of St. George Spice Pear Liqueur. And that is the only thing. No, they had
3: Contro too. We just chose not to buy it because it was like $34. It was stupid expensive. Wise decision. Yeah. Yeah. But
1: the uh the St. George Spice Pear Liqueur is the only one that we like got the exact thing listed in the ingredients. Nice. Uh mm-hmm. still rose wine, four ounces. ounces of fresh lemon juice and then if you choose sparkling rose float and apple slices for garnish which we did not do because we ran to many liquor stores and I'm like I'm not I'm not Not going to target just to get a fucking apple We're, I'm done I'm over
3: it we were gonna do cherries but our good cherries are apparently out and I haven't bought new ones and our other cherries are bad. I tried one and I was like, oh, those aren't going yeah. of the drinks.
2: Well, uh, most of the time when we have a garnish on our cocktails, it's because we already had spare apple or orange yeah. at home. The, or I'll Leah has like an orange tree. <laughs> there, yep. was,
4: there was one time where I was like, Do, can you bring an orange? I forgot oranges. And Rachel was like, you have an orange tree in your backyard. So <laughs> I get to her house
2: and there's like a hundred oranges on the ground. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: See, you're that like, would be us them. in fall. Like one of Kelly's neighbors probably has an apple tree somewhere around here. And yeah. then this also has fall syrup in it, which we did not entirely know what that meant. But Leah, you made your own because you're so handy. Well, I
3: told Emily I, we should make our own. And she was like, but you can buy it.
4: Yeah. No, really, I'm cheap. I'm not handy. Uh, <laughs> so that will get you very far uh, in the cocktail business. Uh, so no, it was just like a simple syrup. So it's essentially like melted sugar water um and then i just threw in a bunch of fall season seasonings like uh, cinnamon nutmeg i threw in some cloves and yeah good deal i do that for a lot of our cocktails because a lot of them call for weird things like orgy syrup and uh, pomplamoose syrup yeah like just weird things that I'm like I can just do this myself right you You are are very handy handy. it's gonna be easier
1: yeah
2: yeah Mm -hmm. she makes a lot of the stuff that goes into our cocktails
1: which I I love that and I I hope that's been like a fun part of doing the cocktails for you we got uh what was it orange and cardamom
3: syrup something
1: cardamom and yeah.
3: Yeah. There's yeah. like three ingredients. It did not smell very I mean it smelled like cardamom, <laughs> which was not very good. We just thought it sounded
1: the most fall like, so that's the one we bought. So fingers crossed. That does look sure out.
2: fabulous. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, cheers to yeah. another successful whining about hashtag Hurstory Crossover. <laughs> Love
4: Yay. it. Cheers. Cheers.
1: I'm terrified to drink. I know, this. it's
3: cloudy and I'm like, I don't know. I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs> mm, mine's good.
1: Mm. Mine's good. I could do without the syrup, though. <laughs> like the
3: cardamom really, like.
1: It's a lot of cardamom. Overpowered. The yeah. Ref- oh.
3: I mean, it finishes for mine or me with, like, the pear, and then I'm like, mm, that's really yeah. good. Mm. Yeah, the pear's, pear's good.
4: Um, it's It's growing
1: on me, actually.
4: Yeah. Like, like, it's very, like, f- yeah. Fresh. I really yeah, like it. Yeah.
1: It's very yeah. fresh and fruity. But yeah. That's, uh, Rose the Riveter.
3: Yeah. And we didn't do ours with sparkling rose because I can't drink sparkling shit. Oh.
4: So. Yeah. I only did sparkling because I didn't want to open two bottles of
3: water. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> Valid. Like, we bought. Because it did, it didn't matter what rose you bought, so I, I Emily charged me with picking it, and I that's, I picked yes way rose because I was love like
4: it. I love yes. it. <laughs> yep. I had I happened to have a a, a local uh, winery here, nice. Bogle, right? Bogle. Okay. Yeah, we've had <gasps> yeah, I, their oh wine my God, here on our wine. podcast, and they're very yeah. Good. yeah. Oh, they're, they're awesome. like they're, they're only right
2: by Rachel. Oh my. God. Uh, yeah, they're like the twenty minutes from me. And so if you we, guys ever come
4: out to California, we'll do a Bogle trip. It's happening because yeah, yeah. they they've actually sent us some some wines and stuff. Oh, so I still so 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 cool. cool. Shut the
1: front door. That is amazing because I love their shit. Like I think the first time yeah. we had Bogle wine was around Halloween because yeah. we try to get spooky wines, and I bought it independently and.
4: Oh yeah, because it, they have that yeah. whole really uh, what's it called Phantom uh, Phantom. Yep,
1: yeah. yep, mm-hmm. yep. And then Bogle is it, it's either Irish or Scottish, but it's like what they call a ghost or a spirit. So even the name Bogle, it's like a a Scottish or Irish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, even when I'm in a liquor store with a friend, if they're like looking for wine, I'm like, you should get this Bogle shit. It's the best. And it's spooky. That's funny that you you love
4: it so much. Yeah.
2: They Going along with the kind of creepy vibes and theme, they did invite Leah and I, this is maybe like a year or so ago, to attend a movie night at their Mm -hmm. vineyard. And so we watched The Sixth Sense up on nice. a, a projector. Oh, nice. And I remember I put Leah closer to the vineyard because <laughs> I was too scared, like yeah, late like, at shit's night. come out of the I vineyard. Like, yeah, I was like, you get to sit against the vineyard. I'm going to be closer <laughs> to the people. That would have been <laughs> and me. And I remember feel it being very spooked while we were there. And like yeah. anytime I heard a noise, like turning around,
1: <laughs> I would have crawled into the vineyard.
2: Like, <laughs> She would have been the thing coming out of the vineyard at yeah, you.
1: Just yeah. not no, realizing oh my God.
2: it's
1: her. <laughs> I'm like, I am one with the grapes now.
2: <laughs> well, what would you all rate the cocktail from one oh, to yeah. ten?
1: Um, I rate it a five. Like, I would love... I would. Yeah, I'd say a five or a six because it's good. Uh, if I made it again, I would probably either just use simple syrup or try to make my own like Leah did. I think we kind of shit the bed on that well, and we- and it's not bad it's just like mm, not as great as it we, could yeah we
3: also swapped because we couldn't find honeysuckle we went with what did we go with
1: oh we went with um peach and something mm-hmm. peach that was the one and orange vodka yeah, I swapped yeah. it
4: out for a pear vodka since there was already pear in. It, right. Yeah, and so. also I, like, I was like, what would go with pear? I'm like, all the fruity flavors
1: good. in here are fantastic. It's just like that—that that syrup.
3: See, like for me, the syrup's really growing on me, and mm-hmm. like the cardamom is actually like now that I've been drinking it, I'm like, this is actually pretty good.
1: I'm gonna bump this up to <laughs> a six, that. but it's it's it like looks very pale and sickly, but at the same time, <laughs> uh, those in glass pale sickly houses should not throw stones. So. <laughs> <laughs> the ring light does not help. No. But it's too dark otherwise. Yeah. What what would you both rate it as?
4: Uh it's a six for me. It's pretty six. good. I'm
2: pregnant with twins, so I had water. <laughs> so How was your my water? water? How was your water? My it's very refreshing. It's in a very cute glass. I do like that glass. Uh, um I will say see. it's disappointing hearing about pear, vodka. Um, compared to water, so I'm going to go with a two.
4: Okay. <laughs> I'm going to rate it a two. <laughs> and you can't see it, but I am. I do have a <gasps> whining. Oh, control. my God. It's, it's got all the, like,
3: I see That's it. Stuff. I appreciate that.
4: I love
1: it. Oh, my God. That makes me so happy. All right. Well, Rachel and Leah, you are kicking us off today with a awesome. story of historical controversy, corruption, and pants pants pants, pants. But
0: we know that, that was
1: some alleged pants wearing <laughs> that my was pearls. perfect
2: yes so we're going to be discussing the van buren sisters have either of you heard of them before yes maybe oh my god
3: maybe okay. strong maybe
2: Okay, as we get going, maybe you will Mm -hmm. recall, but they were two sisters that rode 5,500 miles in 60 days to cross the continental United States, each on their own motorcycle. They did this in 1916, making them the second and third women to drive motorcycles across the entire continent. So
4: that'd be so much Even
1: driving a vehicle across the continent stresses me out.
4: Well, and in 1916, there's probably, there's like no roads. Yeah, there's right? no
3: roads. Dirt roads and random gravel paths. Anyone
1: yeah. can murder you and no one cares. Like yeah. the world mm. super does that's, not care if you live or die. That's why they didn't go
3: alone. That's why there was
2: two of them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's like going to the bathroom. You have to use the buddy system. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, of course, as we all know, I know that both you... Kelly and Emily are very familiar with this since you study women's history. Because the Van Buren sisters were women in the early 1900s, that of course means that we know very little about their early life. Yeah. But here's what we do know Augusta Van Buren was born in March of 1884, and Adeline was born in July of 1889. They had one brother, Albert, and were raised in New York City by their father, Frank. They were born into a life of privilege. They were actually direct descendants of former President Martin Van Buren. I was, okay. get, I'm like, name. why does Van yeah. Buren sound so
1: familiar? I'm terrible with the presidents. I'm, I'm so well, bad.
2: Rachel is not so. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, did you hear the hesitation? I was gonna be like, that's okay, but also you were like, it's not. I have, but it's really not okay. No, I'm, just I'm, I'm judging I'm you so kidding. deeply
1: right now, and I regret all the choices I made that
2: associate me with you now. not at all what i was thinking but yeah so they they were direct descendants of president van buren which assured them the safe and respectable existence of society women their mother passed away when they were young leaving their father to raise them but he made sure to offer them free spirited childhoods full of swimming skating canoeing wrestling sprinting all the goods alongside their brother. Which eventually led them to motorcycling in their early Ooh. adult years.
3: Yeah, I'm sure their I'm sure their dad was like, God damn it!"
2: I actually what, what I'm imagining is that
1: he's like, "I don't have time for this. Just don't kill anyone. Yeah. Now go." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like their early their late 1800s lock key children. Yeah, or latch key <laughs> yeah. children. Like I don't uh-huh. know. Fuck off. Go swimming. I don't care.
4: Exactly. So to give a little background to their eventual motorcycle journey that we'll be discussing, it was the early 20th century, and women did not have the right to vote, as I'm sure all of us know and remember, and were relegated mostly to domestic duties and child rearing, and it was widely believed that they didn't have the time nor the brains to understand and participate in politics. Rachel's mm. shaking her head. She's so yeah. angry. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Another notorious and horrible argument of the time declared that women should be denied a say at the polls due to their lack of participation in military efforts, specifically, and because they weren't risking their lives for their country. Uh. Neither no one, one. will let them saying, they weren't allowed like that's yeah, a dumb yeah, argument yeah, yeah. <laughs> unsurprisingly based on the very short background description of their lives Augusta and Adeline were members of the suffrage movement in their early adult in their early adult lives um which I don't think any of us really need a refresher but I'm going to give it anyways Yay. suffragettes were groups or organiz- organizations of women across the nation and around the world who fought for women's right to vote in addition to being misogynist, in this um, in 1916, the U.S. was also gearing up to enter World War One, and as a result, the National Preparedness Movement took wing. The National Preparedness Movement was a campaign started by former President Theodore Roosevelt that began prior to the U.S.'s entry into World War One, and the movement was started to convince. The US as a whole, its politicians, and its people of the need for American involvement in worldly affairs, and that the country must prepare itself for the oncoming war. So, Theodore Roosevelt,
1: I recognize him. He's one of the presidents <sighs> I know. Yeah,
4: yep. <laughs> Going I was to, I to say, know. if you don't
3: know who that I is have, I don't, don't know if I he's heard that name somewhere. somewhere. He's got name I, recognition. He, he was in that one yeah. movie wasn't he? Like oh, yeah, Night at the Museum or something. He's played by Robin Williams.
1: Actually when we were in Texas we got to see uh we got to go and drink at the hotel at the the Manger or the the Manger bar in the Manger Hotel where he organized the, the Rough Riders. Riders. So there's oh, this that's like so cool. big yeah, ass Theodore cool. Roosevelt statue outside and we all like took our picture with it and we're being silly and also that place that's is supposed cool. to be like super haunted. And when our friend Kina, who hosts Historical AF, asked the bartender, like, So about them ghosts. He's like, There's only one spirit kind of spirit yeah, I know here as he he's like, like pouring dodged the drink. The he's, question. Like, he's like, You fucking tourists. You fucking yeah. witchy tourists. I'm so sick of your shit. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh man. Well, so unsurprisingly, uh, the Van Buren sisters were also members and supporters of the national preparedness movement, which kind of leads us to their motorcycle journey. Ooh. With
2: their rather unique background in motorcycle ride- riding, the Van Buren sisters came up with an idea to showcase. Both of the movements that meant so much to them, the preparedness movement that Leah just talked about, and, of course, the suffrage movement. Augusta and Adeline believed women could and should directly help the cause by becoming dispatch riders, which had just recently transitioned from men on horseback to men on motorcycles. This, would, this was kind of twofold for them. Number one, it would free up those men for combat positions, which women were not allowed to fill. Yeah. But also... It served the dual purpose. It would also eliminate one of the arguments for denying women the right to vote, their non-participation in the war effort. Augusta and Adeline, they're brilliant, and they were determined to prove that they were just as patriotic and deserving of the vote as men.
3: I, I love that because that's such forward thinking to be like, one, it you really won't is. let us fight, so let us take positions of people who can and also, we're still helping the war effort, so let us vote, goddammit. I also yeah, love... I love- it's-,
4: it's, like, so creative. To- I, like, I don't know. To me, it's just, like, oh, yeah. they- there's, like, these two, like, floating orbs that are completely mm. separate, and they somehow found a way to combine them into one bubble. I don't know. Yeah. So- I love right. that.
1: And-, and then the idea that it's, like... And not their idea, but just like the collective United States idea. Like, well, women don't participate in war. Those nurses in the civil war were all dudes. Like, don't worry about like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Women have been involved in all of the wars. So like, don't pretend we weren't there. We were there and we were watching and we were judging you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love it. It's like a win win is the way they were seeing it is we're trying to help you out. You know, the way they framed it, we're trying to Mm -hmm. help you out by freeing up resources but also, maybe this could help us out, too, and help mm-hmm. further the women's movement. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, weaponize
2: that's, that's that. That's
3: the underlying thing that they don't tell the men. That they're, they're
0: like, no no, we're, we're just trying they, to sure
2: help you.
1: Well, and, like, the <laughs> idea of weaponizing that whole patriotic propaganda for their cause. It's like, no, no. Mm-hmm. W- women can't do this. It's unpatriotic. It's like, well, if you're so concerned about patriotism, mm-hmm-hmm.
2: Yes. I love it. They're brilliant. Mm-hmm. And how... They decided how they're going to prove that women could take on this task was, of course, by simply riding across the entire country on motorcycles. Yeah, that'll get people's attention. Yeah. And it did. It did. We'll definitely be talking about the attention that they received. This feat would surely prove that women could handle the difficulties of motorcycling over long distances and tough conditions, as well as navigating difficult trails, performing bike maintenance, and staying clear of opposing forces.
4: Mm-hmm. All right, now we're gonna get to the really fun stuff, aka we're... talking about motorcycles. Yay! Yay. Vroom vroom, <laughs> motherfucker. I like looking at <laughs> motorcycles. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Indian Motorcycles provided the sisters with two 1916 Power Plus bikes in return for publicity, which, um, if I don't know if any anybody else has ever heard of or watched the Long Way Round or Long Way Down series. It's, it reminds me a lot of that. Um, Ewan McGregor and his best friend Charlie Borman, like ride around, uh, around the world on some motorcycles and they, like were talking about sponsorships and stuff. So. Okay. Annie,
1: Annie Londonderry, she was famous for riding a bicycle across the country yeah, cool. and mm-hmm. her name was not London Dairy, but that was the brand name of the bike so they like changed mm-hmm. her oh, name. Plenty. I mean
3: you think mm-hmm. about any major Event, whether it's you know NASCAR or drag racing or monster trucks, and yeah, all mm-hmm. those all those cars are just plastered with whoever's sponsoring yeah. them. Mountain? So, yeah. do, do the do, do the dude. dude. Yeah. <laughs> dude.
4: <laughs> now, all the following information goes over my head, but for any of you gearheads who might be listening, the Power Plus bikes were Indian motorcycles' first flathead V twin engine bikes with sixteen horsepower output. Mm. i mean for that People. time that's
3: actually pretty impressive i'm feeling
1: very like
3: am i, am I, the, the, only one? Am I the only one that's like yeah no that's actually yeah i don't know what that means Sorry. so i'm no, so impressed by i, you I right don't know i'll just
1: pretend i don't <laughs> no do not dim your light kelly yeah, how so. dare you
3: but no yeah that that's actually like for a bike of in that time is actually very impressive
4: Wow, mm-hmm. cool! I'm I'm so impressed that you like know at least kind of understand what that means because yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> all <laughs> right, so these motorcycles sold for 275 at the time, which is about uh, seven thousand in today's money. They donned Firestone non-skid tires and a gaslit headlight, super safe, uh, which <laughs> sure. would allow the pair to ride through the night when necessary. Now, this all sounds cool. I guess. Slash, Slash horrifying. <laughs> I know, like yeah. the
3: gaslit headlight. I'm like, that sounds like a yeah. fire hazard. I literally well, yeah. am imagining a candle <laughs> yeah. in the light. Yeah. Just, just no glass it. in the front. Yeah. Oh, no, no, there'd have to be
1: glass in the front. Otherwise the candle nope. would go out. Nope. It's just a candle that's powered by their righteous will to feminize. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I love it. Yeah, but there definitely were some downsides to these bikes, other than the possibility of exploding uh, due to open flames and gas. Uh, They apparently had no suspension, no shock absorbers, and they they weren't able to carry a lot of fuel on them or gear at all, all of which would make for a rather unpleasant ride for the sisters. Yeah, so super to-
3: bumpy. You can't bring anything with you, and you have to yeah. constantly stop to somehow get gas, even though you
4: can't bring anything with you. Yeah, yeah. Oof. I'm just thinking about all those middle states. I'm like, what? Were, where are you going to? You stop mean the our gas? our states? No. Well, yeah. no. Yeah, Minnesota
1: is fine, but Iowa, yeah, I don't, I don't Illinois, all the corn states. States. Nebraska, yeah. all trash.
4: All the corn states. Yeah. Yeah. To prepare for the trip, Augusta and Adeline immersed themselves in riding even more than they already were and started accumulating long distance practice rides in New York. Um, Then on July 4th, 1916, the eve of the U.S.'s entry into the Great War, the Van Buren sisters, now aged 22 and 26, set out on their adventure. They left from Sheepshead Bay Racetrack in Brooklyn, New York, traveling through Times Square and then onto the Lincoln Highway, which would lead them eventually to Lincoln Park in San Francisco. Oh,
1: my my fellow is going to be really excited to see to hear that because he's driven the Lincoln Highway because he's a huge he's he's in like transportation planning. So he's a huge like roadmap transpo nerd. So he's like, yeah, I just drove Lincoln Highway because reasons. And I'm
2: like, wow, okay. They're like, that's, <laughs> that's fun. <cool. laughs> now, the roads would not be easy for the sisters. Most routes were gross and muddy. Some were literally just cow paths through fields. And fuel was incredibly difficult to find, as I'm sure we can all surmise or have already discussed they often encountered broken chains and flat tires and were solely responsible for fixing their bike issues on their own with the limited tools that they were able to carry with them in addition to all of that weather was also not their friend it is said to have ranged from heavy rain for days to unyielding desert sun that's what i was asking when,
3: I, I was going to ask oh. like do you know when did they leave like what is the yearly July? like okay because I was like, what, what time frame are they crossing the Midwest yeah. in? Because if it's too late in the year, like, they're just going to get they're frozen trapped. to death.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was But July. no, okay. <laughs> and, uh... But I, that also could mean really, really hot. So yeah. or tornadoes. Or well, you know. and you're you're you're
1: on a motorcycle. You are exposed to the elements. You're not in an enclosed vehicle. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, even a little sprinkling. You know, if you're going fast oh, enough, that, that hurts. shit hurts. Yeah. And oh, I don't and know what they're wearing for like goggles or helmets, but that couldn't yeah. have been comfortable.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as someone who has ridden on the back of a motorcycle before, because my husband has one, it's like. If it's below 50 degrees, when you're going at a certain speed, it feels like zero. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it, it just, It's just so cold. So anything that's like below a certain temperature is almost like it feels unbearable. like it's frozen outside. It's almost yeah. unbearable. Yeah. Wow.
2: Now, speaking of their apparel, Emily, you just kind of mentioned helmets and goggles and whatnot. We're going to get into that. And we're also going to get into those things that we've discussed a couple of times now Los pantalones. (laughs) I'm wearing pants.
3: I think, I assume all of us are probably wearing pants or shorts or something. Pants against the patriarchy.
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So it should be noted that modern day helmets were not a thing at the time. They wore leather caps and goggles as protection. I mean, at least they're leather. I will give them that, Mm -hmm. at least they're leather.
4: Yeah.
2: They also wore military jackets and leather breeches, which were very, very, very uncommon for the time. They were truly an oddity everywhere they went. They were often stopped along their trip by people wanting to take photos or really just to figure out what the heck they were doing. While women's fashion was shifting at the time from corsets to more casual attire, Floor-length hems to scandalous knee-length dresses and shorter haircuts were beginning to appear. Dresses were still very much the standard, and not only just the standard, but the law. In one instance, the sisters were stopped just outside of Chicago by a police officer, not for speeding, but for the way they were dressed. They're like, y'all got because pants on. What, bad, what girls, the fuck bad, bad girls, bad girls, be...
1: what you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you?
2: And can you imagine that that interaction too you have the cops pull you over and you like look down like at your speedometer, like, oh, uh sorry, officer, I was going five miles over the speed limit. And they're like, that's really not what this is about. They're like No, it's what really are you not wearing about at all? I'm just, I'm
1: yeah, imagining this is a time wearing. in history where there were no speed limits
4: Probably. or speedometers. Like, like, no Let's, Let's be honest. No one cared how fast, fast you were going. <laughs>
1: no one cared if you were drunk and operating a vehicle, but God forbid you were a woman wearing pants. Yeah, the cops oh are going to be on you like that.
2: Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's because in 1916, it was still illegal, illegal, not uncommon, not normal. It was illegal in many states for women to wear pants. This wasn't an isolated occurrence either. Their trip would end up being extended from one month to two months, not only due to the bad weather that they encountered and other unexpected delays, but due to the constant arrest for their attire.
1: Mm-hmm. I hope I hope their trip photo album is just a bunch of mugshots interspersed with them yeah. posing by like some mountains, like, hey, and that's just mugshot, no, they, mugshot, they, mugshot. They just
3: take pictures with the cops that arrest them, like, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Come on, Officer Brown, duck face with me.
4: Oh, <laughs> uh, in August of 1916, so about a month after they departed, the sisters had reached Colorado. And due to their delays, decided not to travel north through Wyoming as originally planned. And instead, they diverted and went through the Rockies. Uh, So they became, because of this diversion, they became the first women in history to reach the 14,109-foot summit of Pikes Peak by motorized vehicle. And on August 6th, they told the Colorado Spring Gazette-Telegraph, quote, we didn't really feel that we had achieved anything wonderful until yesterday. End quote. So
3: mm.
4: that was a little accomplishment I love that. for them. Yeah.
2: yeah, they were like, yeah. We did something, yay. <laughs> even though like us looking back at it, them even embarking on this trip, them doing one day across I, I don't know, in any state is just really phenomenal. It's yeah. It's really
1: reaffirming to know that the really amazing Ancestors of a president also have imposter syndrome. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. That's something yeah. that persists through the ages, imposter mm-hmm. syndrome.
4: Yeah. While continuing through the Rockies, they endured more heavy rain, freezing weather, and muddy roads. Uh, Conditions were probably so bad at one point that they had to leave their bikes, stuck in a mud pit, and walk on foot until they could find help. And they did eventually get back on the road, but continued to encounter unfortunate weather during this time. I think... We might have lost
1: Rachel. I was going to say, I think she froze. Like- <laughs> oh, she's actually buffering. I,
4: I think she's just
3: like a few seconds behind us because every once in a while I hear her chime in, but it's offset. Okay.
4: okay. She's frozen on my screen.
1: But- yeah. No, she's okay, they're, physically they're- frozen.
3: I'm, I- oh. oh.
1: <laughs>
3: See? See yeah. what I mean? Like- <laughs> yeah.
1: She but yeah, she's us. frozen.
3: Oh. <laughs> oh. You moved. Can we take moved. a screenshot of this no. right now, please? <laughs> I mean it's terrible. recording. Oh damn it.
4: <laughs> oh okay, so she hears and sees us, so I'll at least finish my part and maybe she'll catch up to us by then. <laughs> I know it's so hard. She's the watching screen. us from
3: the past.
4: <laughs> the screen that's frozen on. Rachel, you need to promise
1: me that you watch the video at least through this part because it's like pausing a Disney movie at the exact right moment every time. Every oh, okay. every screenshot is gold.
4: Okay, I'll finish my part and maybe she'll buffer. Okay, I think she's back. <laughs>
1: I think she's buffered. Okay, yes.
4: <laughs> yeah. You guys
2: am I yeah. am I here? Yes, yes you, you are sure. moving. Okay. <laughs>
4: You're alive. Oh, my God. Okay. That was so good. That was hilarious. Um, <laughs> So heavy winds near Salt Lake City literally erased the desert trail they were following and they were low on fuel and water. But luckily for them, a prospector happened upon the stranded pair who was able to point a prospector. Can we just talk about that? Right.
1: All I'm imagining <laughs> is the prospector from Toy Story too. Yeah. prospector Pete
4: he's a bad guy he's yeah boring. yeah my
1: britches are burning
4: <laughs> uh circling back to disney i love it it, it all comes always. back to disney yeah uh so this prospector was able to point them in the right direction and load them with some additional supplies which is so nice so yeah. kind He could have just, like, murdered
3: them and left them in the middle of a desert. I
4: know, but no, he gave them supplies and pointed them in the right direction. Very kind. Isn't
1: it so nice when strangers you encounter in the desert don't murder you?
4: (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's my preference, you know. Yeah, definitely, you know, preferred. Now, with literal history (laughs) being made, records being broken, and an impressive story of overcoming countless obstacles, you'd think that the news outlets would be all over over this adventure but sadly that was not really the case most of the coverage of their trip was actually by motorcycle magazines and focused solely on the bikes and not on the riders.
3: right they're like Um, look at all this thing this motorcycle can do doesn't matter who's driving it
4: look at the capabilities of this indian motorcycle my god which to be perfectly honest
1: (laughs) from what you described does not sound like it was actually meant to take on this kind of trip I mean it it sounds like oh you know it's like you you know go to the next town over and like go on the bluff roads it's not oh no no no, you can totally travel across the country in this so really it is a testament to the riders and their ability to keep these bikes going rather than like oh my god these bikes are just so good
4: yeah yeah Mm -hmm. definitely other news outlets uh simply ignored the historical significance of the journey and even went so far as to criticize the Van Buren sisters for and this is a direct quote from one of them forsaking their roles as housewives end quote the denver post actually went so far as to accuse the pair of exploiting the war abandoning their duties at home and quote displaying their feminine contours in nifty khaki and leather uniforms oh <laughs> i like they? that
3: one that that was like ooh, how dare they like show that they're women in pants and a shirt
1: what are you yeah. wearing jeff from state farm <laughs> khakis <laughs> Oh my god so and it's then it's Jake
3: from State Farm not it's Jeff. Oh it is Jake you're right It does not matter. <laughs> it's like, I don't know who Jeff it is. It literally does not matter.
1: <laughs> well, here's the thing, now State Farm can't sue me because it's a parody because I used the wrong name. Exactly. But but then 100%. also th- this idea that it's like we're we're not allowing women to vote because we're not allowing them to have any participation in the war. But these women are forsaking their duty to the war that we won't let them be a part of and that we're mm-hmm. withholding the right to vote because <laughs> you're,
4: you're, yeah, try, don't you're try trying to make, try to make apply sense logic. of it, it does
1: make <laughs> me feel a little better because sometimes when I hear insane logic, quote-unquote logic like that nowadays, it's like, oh, okay, we've
2: always been like... We've always had insane logic. We've always actually.
1: been spewing shit.
2: We've yeah. always been spewing yep, shit. Yeah. It's yep. fine. It doesn't and change. That's, and that's how... Um, I find women's history in particular tends to be—it's trying to wrap your minds around illogical logic, illogical yeah. logic. I I'll say uh, I don't know just, how many. Like, everything contradicts itself, uh, and, yeah. and yeah, it never makes any sense. I say I don't know how many times I've been like, just don't worry
3: about it, don't think about it, don't worry
2: about yep, it, moving yep. on. <laughs> Yep, we've had to say that many times in the episodes that we've covered of women. If you think about it too hard, it will actually right. physically hurt you. Like, it brain, literally so. makes no sense. <laughs> Just don't worry yeah. about it. Yep. Yeah. Now, any press that did acknowledge the riders and not the bikes was filled with negativity. This didn't stop the sisters, though. On September 2nd, almost exactly two months after departing Brooklyn, they arrived in San Francisco And just for shits and giggles, continued on to Los Angeles and then Tijuana, having traveled fifty five hundred miles, earning them their second record and becoming the first women to ride solo cross country on motorcycles, and the second and third women to ride across the US on motorcycles at all. That's
3: awesome. That is sadly incredible. So
2: awesome. I don't like that your next word is sadly.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Great story. Moving on. (laughs) Yeah, no, we're done.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Sadly, their amazing accomplishment did little to further their goals of equality. Their applications to become dispatch writers for the army were rejected. Women would wait another four years for the right to vote and another world war for the chance to serve in the military. But they didn't let that defeat them. Augusta became a pilot and joined the 99s, an international organization of female pilots, yeah. which included Amelia Earhart as the first president. Oh, hot damn. And Adeline went on to earn, I know, Adeline went on to earn a juris doctorate in New York. They were both inducted into the American Motorcyclist Association Hall of Fame in 2002. Took long enough, right? That's right. So
3: awesome. But I mean, like, I'm glad they made it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes me yeah. think, though, like, when you were talking about, like, it was four years till we got the right to vote. World War II until women were allowed to like be in the military. And it wasn't until like the early 2000s that women were allowed to be on the front lines. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we're a distraction. Sorry. Okay. But I, so I shows, love that the, like motorcycle shows... people were like, yeah. I mean, it took them a while, but like at least they did it. Yeah. What,
1: what I really love about this story, at least up until you said, unless there's another sadly coming, <laughs> no. Um, no. Is, is that you know the Van Buren sisters are so forward thinking, and mm-hmm. for for people who are deemed to be too stupid to participate in politics, they have very they're very politically minded, It's very strategic what they're doing, Definitely. and. Even if they didn't get that recognition at the time, and this is something I think all of us in the present day can really appreciate is you may not get it now, but think about how history is going to view you and your actions, because oftentimes that's a much clearer and more reliable uh, sense of like, if you're doing the right thing or not.
4: Mm, I love
2: that. I do too that's the whole story of the Van Buren sisters I totally agree with what you just said what we've all said is they are super inspirational super empowering and sadly you know they didn't get to see much mobility or movement in their lifetimes but we certainly see their contributions to history now
1: yeah which is great it it also makes me Mm -hmm. think of there's a woman that we covered a while back Bessie Stringfield and she was mm-hmm. a black motorcyclist in Florida. And she, she's just like, I'm just going to ride a motorcycle because I fucking want to and everyone can suck it. And what she would do is she would like flip a penny on a map and wherever it landed. She's like, that's where I'm going. And sometimes oh, cool. the penny would land in places where, you know, Jim Crow was real strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's yeah. like, yeah, I got really lucky that I never got hanged. Like I got, yeah. I got lucky and, you know, she'd sleep on her bike right. and all this other stuff, but she did eventually, uh, wow. work as a myc- motorcycle.
4: <laughs> Mycyclist. my motorcycle, my cyclist, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> training
1: mice on bicycles. Yes. It's fine. Um, but she, she eventually worked as a motorcyclist courier for the United States army in World War, II. Oh, wow. in so World War II. 2. So she's so, like, doing that's... the thing that the Van Buren sisters yeah. were trying to do at the time. Yeah. And then she's doing it as a black woman uh. too. And I she wasn't officially like in mm-hmm. the military. She was a civilian contractor and that's a whole other designation, but still like you can see the change. And you can see the ripple effects. Mm-hmm.
4: That's yeah. really cool. I love that. that. I'll have to look her up. That sounds so cool.
1: She's a bad Mm -hmm. bitch. Yeah. Just saying. She was really neat. And she had this, like, beautiful... Okay, the only thing I can appreciate about motorcycles is how they look. And she's got this, like, beautiful powder blue (laughs) motorcycle. I'm like, Uh, cute. (laughs) I love that. I love
2: it. (laughs) I love that. Well, that's our whole story.
1: I So, I had never heard about the Van Buren sisters until... Like, you had covered them. Like, I had this very cursory knowledge. I didn't even realize, like, oh, that Van Buren.
4: (laughs) So that's incredible. I had actually never heard of them either. And when we covered them on our podcast, it was one of my takeover episodes. So that was really fun to to do a much lesser known, which I know you guys do, like, much lesser known um, female historical figures all the time. Mm -hmm. But that, you know, for us, it's usually historical figures that everybody knows about it's princess Mm -hmm, diana mm -hmm. it's you know um queen uh oh my god why can't i think of it amidala queen amidala yes um yeah so this one was really cool and also a little bit of a challenge uh and i have Mm -hmm, much respect mm -hmm. for you in finding the sources (laughs) um that went along with this story, and like you know weaving a cohesive story together yeah. with these like w- like handful of scattered sources that I could find on these two mm-hmm. badass women, my favorite yeah. stories are the ones that you find like one really good
3: thing and you're like, this is great, and then you like pull a bunch of other stories and it's literally everyone just regurgitating
1: that one article
3: and you're like i have one source but let's do this it's yeah yeah, it's
1: just copied and pasted over and over and then you have to like infer or you know make these judgments and Mm -hmm. we love we love the herstory canon where it's like "Mm, we don't know if this is what went down but we're saying it's yeah (laughs) it was Mm -hmm. Well, we decided to take a page from your book because uh, we love a good controversy and a good, you know, a woman maybe not on the right side of history. Uh-huh. And so we are going to cover Joyce Haddo, mm. the most prolific pianist that you may or may not have heard of who never was.
3: Never oh my God, she I can't was. Wait. It's but all was
1: going to make sense very soon. Okay. So. Joyce Hatto was dying as we all are. Mm. She had been be for dark. she had been for some time. Diagnosed with ovarian cancer in 1992, Joyce had lived mm. for 14 years with the disease in the quiet town of Royston in Hertfordshire, England. Mm. Don't know what that accent was. It's fine. <laughs> with her husband William Barrington Coop. She spent every night sleeping within feet of her Steinway concert grand piano that her husband would help her to each day so she could keep playing until her dying day.
2: This I sounds like I had a story at a sleepover. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a girl sleepover. <laughs> On a night,
1: much like tonight, to go store women with podcasts.
2: <laughs> I'm already envisioning myself in my ladybug sleeping bag that I had when I was a yeah, kid. Right.
3: All I have to say is like I wish I had like a a passion or like a hobby that I had something that I was like to my dying day I'll be doing this and I'm like "Mm."
1: You say that like we're not going to be podcasting until you're dying ninety two years
3: old. Hello there. (laughs) Our final
1: episode's (laughs) gonna be on your deathbed. It's gonna be great. (laughs) Slip wine into your IV. Don't worry about it.
2: We're good. My my hobby is wine? Yeah, there yeah. you go. That's I would say my hobby. hobby is Netflix. If my husband could just, like, go. wheel me out to the couch every day, put the remote in my hand. Yep, we're yep. good.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. My hobby
1: is watching Frasier on repeat forever. Oh, yes.
4: scooby Doo, wah wah, wah.
1: Goddamn. Toss salad and uh Scramble, scrambled, scrambled eggs. eggs.
4: Yeah. Oh, so good. <laughs> All right. Back to Joyce. And yeah. She, she's dying. We're, we're getting distracted. Right. No big
1: deal. Yeah.
3: So even though she was dying, Joyce had lived a very full life. She was a former piano teacher and had an illustrious career as a concert pianist, being praised by publications as absolutely marvelous and giving a highly commendable account of the demanding piano art. She performed live with prominent companies such as the London Philharmonic Choir and in her later years released a variety of popular recordings under her husband's record label that gave her renewed popularity in the classic music world.
1: And then on June 29, 2006, Joyce Haddo died from a combination of ovarian cancer and deep vein thrombosis, which I actually had one of those. So I'm like, mm, I hate that. What is that?
0: Sorry. It's a, It's
1: a, like a blood clot. Yeah, it's oh. a, a and blood, blood like, clot yeah. like, deep in your veins. Yeah, and it's yeah, if but, it if it breaks loose, it can go to your your heart, lungs, and brain, brain and just all the places yeah, you guys. do not want a blood clot to go. Got it. Yeah, so guys. she died at the age of seventy-seven, survived by her devoted husband William.
3: However, six months after she passed away, everything that the world thought they had known about Joyce Hatto would be called into question.
4: Yeah, this all sounds way too good to be like. Bum, bum, this doesn't sound real.
3: Yeah,
1: <laughs> but let, let let's start at the beginning. So let's okay. let's backtrack. Let's
3: backtrack a bit. So Joyce Hilda Hatto was born on September fifth, nineteen twenty-eight, in Saint John's Wood, London. Her father was an antique dealer and a piano enthous- enthusiast. I don't know why that word's so difficult for me,
1: as we've been drinking. <laughs> yeah, um, astermanomnical.
3: And he instilled the love of piano into Joyce, who then learned to play and began to perform. In the 1950s, Joyce toured around the UK and Europe, performing in recitals and concert with prominent entities such as the London Symphony Orchestra.
1: And I'm not like a classical music person, but I just assume the London Symphony Orchestra is kind of like a BFD. I
4: would assume so. Big
1: fucking deal.
4: Oh, yeah,
1: like they, they, they don't just take like little Cindy Lou who off the street who finished her first year of piano lessons and like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Just get in here. <laughs> you
3: can res- represent <laughs> all of London in our yeah. orchestra. Good, good luck. Have fun.
1: So like yeah, Joyce right. is obviously a skilled pianist. Um, mm-hmm. And now I have to tell a story about my dearly beloved deceased grandmother. Uh, she one time was talking about seeing the movie The Pianist. We were like all having dinner together and she has like this, she had this thick East coast accent and for some reason, just the way she was saying it. She's like, Oh yeah, I saw the movie, the penis. And, um, it was, it was a fascinating, beautiful work of cinema. And I'm, I'm a little kid. I think I had like just graduated from first grade and I'm, I'm like, uh, what did she just say? And even my mother is like, Oh your, my God, did she just say your that? Your mom's like, is my mom talking about watching porn right now? And she kept saying it and she kept saying, oh yeah, yeah. And then the penis did this and the penis did that. And, and then finally. I love this
2: so much. I, I could know, contain right?
1: myself no longer. And my grandmother was like, what the fuck are you laughing at? I'm like, you
2: keep saying penis, grandma. <laughs> I
1: and then totally she, see little Emily just being like, you keep saying penis. This is the woman who taught me the F word, by mm. the way. So I don't know why she's so embarrassed about like. We thought she said penis. And then she gets yeah. mad at me and my mom's like, actually, it it very much sounded like you said penis, to be fair to the tiny child. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> so like writing these that. notes that's... every time I wrote pianist, I was like, oh, grandma. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's a great yes. memory. Yep. So she performed under popular conductors such as Boyd Neal and performed solo at Wigmore Hall and Queen Elizabeth Hall and all those names I'm sure are. Significant, if you're, yeah, if you're, if you're from the UK, or if you're like a classical music enthusiast, I literally threw Mm -hmm. those in there for y'all. So throughout her career, she also taught piano lessons both privately and in schools such as Crofton Grange, an all-girls boarding school, with her students having concerts of their own billed as pupils of Joyce Hatto. They didn't have names; they were just pupils of Joyce. I mean, at least they're
3: not like. Pupils of, wife of, you know, like, <laughs> true. Very true. could have been worse. Yeah. So by the time she did marry her record producer, William Barry Barrington Coop, Joyce. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Right. Oh. Yeah. I like that his name is, it, when you take the William away, it's Barry Barrington Coop. I'm like, why? Why would that be your nickname? Because
1: Barrington, they just all decide to call him Barry. Yeah. He wasn't deserving of that no. illustrious of a name. Spoiler. So
3: By the time that she had married, Joyce had earned a modest reputation as a pianist.
1: She's successful. She's doing it. She's doing the penis thing. It's fine. People know her name. (laughs) So let's talk about Barry. Fucking Barry, y'all. Oh, no. So Barry was born in 1931 and grew up in Lewisham, London. And he had a successful career as an agent for classical musicians and started an employment agency for concert artists. I don't know why that's where he was drawn to. I, I we, like, we don't
3: care much about Barry's Well, backyard. Do we care? I was actually
1: yeah. able to find out more information about Barry in his life than Ugh. I was Joyce, which is interesting.
3: And frustrating. Of course. It's yeah.
1: all of the D, all of the above. So in 1954, Barry started his own label called Concert Artists and released recordings under his label from artists he managed and also recordings that he licensed the rights to. So he's, he's put, as one does. He's putting the music out. He's doing he's doing the record label thing. He's musicking it up.
3: Right. About a year after he started his label, Billboard magazine called him the president of the concert artist record company London. We mention wow. this because his being written about in Billboard would indicate that Barry is making quite a name for himself and achieving, mm-hmm. you know, success. However, in the following year, So 1956 at this point, the record labor would be liquidated.
1: Also, I think Mm -hmm. we need to just commit to saying labor. Yeah, instead definitely. of label, because did I say
2: labor? <laughs> you did. I'm and so yeah. sorry. I have also I said. Labor. Yeah, and we all it, just we all just nodded. <laughs> yeah. No. <Yep>. I'm <laughs> record. I was labor. reading
1: mm-hmm. the notes. I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm committed. I'm committed okay, to just saying labor. My
3: my cocktail's yep. almost gone at this point. Yes. Yeah. I blame the alcohol. I'm not. Yeah. I'm used to wine, not like six different types of alcohol in one drink. Mm-hmm. It'll hit you quick. Yeah. Oh, and
4: the wine cocktails are actually one of the worst as far as like how how bad they they'll hit you <laughs> well okay. it also
3: depends is on like the wine cuz some wines were like what's the a- like abv on this and we're like it's significantly high for a wine yeah
1: okay yeah. so we we read the cocktail um can you rate the hangover i'm going to have tomorrow on uh, <laughs> a severity of like 1 being it's fine and 10 being i might be dying
4: if this is your only drink tonight you'll be fine Okay. Drink a glass of water Maybe pop an ibuprofen before bed. Maybe two glasses of water. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I was going to say, I'm not having any more than this. Yeah. If you keep going, then you might be in trouble.
3: Yeah. (laughs) That would require us to
4: get up. And make another
3: cocktail. Finally,
1: my laziness has paid off and saved me. (laughs) I
3: mean, you could just keep drinking rosé, though. The bottle's right there. Okay. Yeah,
2: that's dangerous. I'm angry because I I have thought about it. Yeah. I have been thinking about it. I left it in my
4: fridge because I I knew that would be a a temptation that I I couldn't say no to. I thought this
1: was going to be, like, in the camera's view the whole time. So that's why I put it here because I thought it was cool. Hold on. Let me... Nope, nothing matters. It's fine. Back to Barry. But Barry we <laughs>
3: Shelf like right here.
1: But so so Barry, he's he's doing these record labels. It's not working, but he's not one to quit. He's tenacious if nothing else. So he would go on to create record companies recording the music of Sergio Forentino, Alan Loveday, Eileen Joyce, Lazar Burman, and of course his own wife, Joyce Hatto. And Barry's mm-hmm. career seemed to follow this. Terribly consistent pattern of starting a record company and then the label failing and they'd start another one and then that would fail. And it was just this like self-destructive cycle of failure, which I'm like
4: still being considered successful. I'm like, how did this
1: asshole get written about in Billboard? Are you kidding me right now?
4: I
3: mean, he's there you go. That's the definition of insanity. Yeah. Continuing to do the same thing, even though you know it's not going
1: to work. Maybe this isn't your thing. Right.
3: (laughs) So his labels kept failing and all of that cyclical fun until the mid-1960s. The continuous failures of his record companies left Barry hurting for money. Shocker. And to try and make ends meet, he started a scheme. The scheme was to buy cheap radios... From Hong Kong and then sell them in London by mail. However, Barry failed to pay purchase tax. This was a tax that was implemented in the UK during World War II as a way of reducing, reduce Jesus, mm-hmm. reducing. Reduciating. as a way of limiting as a way to reduce wasting raw materials and re, and was requ- uh, was a oh my gosh Emily why did you write it this way <laughs>
1: why did I write information about <laughs> taxes and.
3: It was a required tax levied on the wholesale value of luxury goods. So That's he's committing tax And was, was just like... Those are a
4: luxury good?
3: Apparently. From yeah. Hong Kong,
1: at least. And Barry was just like, nah, well, I and, don't need to pay that. And during World War II, like, the the metal, the electrical bits, like, basically they're trying to kind of discourage people from even... Making that stuff if it's not necessary or like sure. engaging in selling that. It was a it it did get dissolved in the nineteen seventies, so it's not a thing anymore. But uh when Barry was busy committing tax fraud, it definitely was.
3: Yay, tax So
1: fraud. um don't do that, guys. Countries are notoriously nitpicky about when we don't pay them their money. That's so, literally
3: how they caught Al Capone. I know. They were like,
1: You've committed tax fraud. Also, you've done all these other things, but we
3: can't prove that. But, but we can fraud. prove tax fraud. Yeah. <laughs> yep.
1: Uh so Barry and four other defendants would stand trial at the Old Bailey. That's how you know like they were serious.
3: Like yeah. that's where they send yep. you when they're serious about the crime is the Old Bailey.
1: I do Definitely. I I would I wonder though like the the Old Bailey Belli- the Old Bailey, excuse me, is so <laughs> prolific Bailey, yeah. in in these like English and London crime stories. I'm like can I go there I'm like do they have a gift shop?
3: Can exactly. I can
1: I say like I was found innocent at the Old Bailey? I
3: mean, like if the Tower <laughs> of London cute. has like headsman's blocks and shit, you can buy.
4: I can guarantee the Old Bailey has a gift shop well, if it's the, still around. The Old
1: Bailey is still in use.
4: That's true. I believe. Yeah, it, like now, it's called the Central Criminal Court. Oh, yeah. That's
1: much less exciting. Yeah,
4: but is there a gift shop? Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> is there a gift
3: shop that says I?
1: I went to the Old Bailey
3: and was found innocent.
1: I went to the Old no. Bailey and all I got was this. T-shirt button. Yeah, all I got was this t shirt. <laughs> so he would so him and uh four other people would stand trial at the old Bailey in what would be the longest running and most expensive trial at the time, costing wow. taxpayers a hundred and fifty thousand pounds, which for my money conscious listeners would be over three point five million pounds today.
3: Oh, my God. I can guarantee you the state did not make, or not the state, the country,
1: London, did
3: not make their money back on this trial. It's so funny
1: you say that because I get into that. So as a
3: result of this multi-million pound trial, Barry and the other three defendants were found guilty. So they, they were like, yeah, you did commit tax fraud and they had to pay 84,000 pounds in taxes. No, they they
1: were found guilty of not oh, paying Jesus. 84,000 pounds in taxes. Which is just <laughs> over 2 million pounds today. So wow. So England spent 3.5 million pounds to hold them accountable for not paying 2 million pounds. And I'm, here, I am well, all here, for, here's my question. Though. I'm all for people being held accountable for their tax bullshit because like white collar crime, hurt. we don't take it very right. seriously, but also
3: here's my question. Yeah. Is it 2 million between the four of them or is it 2 million a piece?
1: Ooh. Ooh. That, I think it's between the four of them. Okay.
3: That was because if it's two million a piece, then yeah, that's fine. They they made their money back. If it's two million between the four of them, yeah, they that was pointless.
2: Bullish, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: So Barry was sentenced to prison uh, for twelve months and fined three thousand six hundred pounds, while his company was fined four thousand pounds, forcing it to go bankrupt in nineteen seventy one. So like, no matter like, I'm not a math person, uh, but I don't think the numbers add up on this
2: yeah just as, saying as and I say on our podcast the math isn't mathing
1: the math is not mathing the math is failing to math you guys
2: put that on a shirt if
3: you haven't please do and then let me know when you do because <laughs> I want to buy that and wear that
2: all the time we'll have to sure. find out if it's unique to us or if we're yeah stealing is that someone like a thing, thing or like I make have no idea I don't when... care
3: just put it the math isn't mathing <laughs> and then just put hashtag history <laughs> and it's fine yeah it's, and then it works. Yeah. And then it's ours. We credited ourselves. There you so go. It works. just we don't copyright like, uh, it or anything and you'll yeah. be fine.
1: J- just yeah, say Jeff say. Jeff from State Farm. The math is not mathing. hashtag #history. There you go.
2: With oh. the tiny tiny asterisk that says please don't sue us. There yes. you go.
1: We have nothing. Calm down.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so the we judge have $0. Dollars. <laughs> yes. There
1: you
3: go. We aren't worth shit. Please leave us alone. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That, that'll be on the back of their shirt. Just leave us yes. alone, please. Um, so, the judge for the trial was Judge Alan King Hamilton.
1: Alexander Hamilton.
3: Sorry. Alan Love King it. Hamilton. I had to. Every Dude, time. It works. It is the yeah, same amount of <laughs>
1: syllables. Every time y'all have an Alexander Hamilton like music break, it is the best thing in the world. Oh my God, that's a fucking cat. <laughs> are, we,
3: are we doing an animal break? Navi, come here.
1: Oh, my God. Look at that little ginger cream, baby. Oh gosh. I'm
3: sorry. Oh, my I dogs a, don't want to come over
1: here. I so. clenched so hard I have a cramp in my foot. Hold oh my on. God, you're funny. Oh, um, my God. I need to. Okay. I need to send y'all some videos of my cat because he is fucking insane. Yeah, my dogs oh, hate
3: me right this now. This one's crazy. We yeah. have two dogs in the <laughs> studio and they're both like, nah, mom, there's comfy beds over here. Fuck you.
1: Okay. Leah, what's your cat's name?
4: Mal. Mal? Mm -hmm. i love that my cat he is it from anything uh we named him after mal from firefly
3: that's what i was hoping but i was like i'm not gonna like throw my like what i would assume that is onto you so i'm very happy apparently they want us to restart (laughs) windows that scared the crap out of me the hell is giving you little kisses. He's oh my extra
4: sweet right now Usually he's a little dick. Oh my
3: god. Here's he's my... like I just want to break Emily's heart
4: right I, now. I, Fuck this shit.
1: I tell people only maybe about core joking. I'm in an abusive relationship with my cat because he yeah. scratches me, he swipes at my face, he's a total asshole and then I'm still like it's okay baby I love you so much. Oh my god, I like can I give you some food is that going to make you happy? Like it's well, it's that make you awful. Love me. Yeah, will that make you love me? Oh, my God. He's amazing. And now we have Navi.
2: Oh, the buggy. She's
1: a pug. Oh. She's your pug bug. She's named after the, uh, the fa- oh, my God. Your cat is waving. It's a little
0: bug.
1: <laughs> Navi yeah, is named mom. after the fairy from the Zelda series who goes, hey, listen. And she definitely lives up to that name. Because oh, every, every every time I come in, she's like just screaming at me and I'm like she used do to we have, have to collar? do this every time
3: <laughs> when she was really tiny that said like hey listen on it and then the yeah. seller went out of business before as she got bigger and I was like damn it. Aww. All right. Okay, sorry. Back to the story. Her baby break. Um, so we were Harry? talking about Helen King Hamilton. And okay. he yes. summed up the trial and his and we feel that this also sums up Barry as a person.
1: This is, if you need to, if you haven't been listening, TLDR, this is Barry. These were blatant and pertinent frauds carried out, in my opinion, rather clumsily. But such was your conceit that you thought yourself smart enough to get away with it. It's like, this was the stupidest shit and you have to be so incredibly arrogant to think that this was yeah. going to work. You yeah. dumb motherfucker. It's like
3: clearly yeah. you were a rich, like a rich kid who just thought you were above the law.
1: And I I, I think he just thought he was smarter than everyone. Yeah. I, I like, I don't think it has anything to I do feel with like class. I like a lot of
3: criminals are like that.
1: Yes. Yeah. Very Dumb. <laughs> Very Dumb.
4: Barry <Very> Dumb.
3: <laughs> anyway. I'm sorry. So throughout all of Barry's endeavors- Joyce, you know, his dutiful wife, remained faithful to Barry and even waited for him while he was in prison for those 12 months. It seemed that Barry had had enough excitement, and in the 1970s, he and Joyce disappeared from the public eye, retreating to Royston, Hertfordshire Sire. Hertfordshire. Hertfordshire. I, I like yeah. my version of it better. Hurt oh, sure Hertfordshire. Hertfordshire. Hertfordshire.
2: If you add Shire to the end of it, it's automatically somewhere in London. Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
1: hundred yeah. percent.
3: Unless you're talking about the Shire and then that's in New Zealand. Right.
4: Correct. I
1: thought that was a Middle Earth. I mean, well, Middle is.
4: Earth. Middle Earth, New Zealand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Middle
1: Earth, New Zealand. I want to go there someday. And like, <laughs> <sighs> Okay. I feel like we've all been in that relationship where we're like, this is fucked. But if I just like stick around, if I just like support this person, like you're like you're making not great and healthy decisions, even though the person is doing everything in their power to show you that they're kind of a piece of shit. But Joyce she's making her choices. She stayed with Barry and they just kind of, they fucked off to Royston Hertfordshire and they (sighs) were living their life. The Shire in New Zealand. Yep. <laughs> so while it would be understandable that the embarrassment and trouble Barry had gotten into would inspire their retreat, uh, it may have actually been more tragic, their reason for withdrawing. I mentioned that Joyce was diagnosed with ovarian cancer in the 1990s, and that's because that's, like, the first documented treatment she had. Like, that's the first time that they can officially More say. Public. Yeah. Um, but it was also speculated that she was diagnosed as early as the 1970s, which coincides oh, with wow. their withdrawal f- from the public. And I saw in several sources that, like, asserted, like, yeah, she was diagnosed in, like, 1973, and then I saw one place, like, eh, some people said that, but, like, there's no record until the 1990s, which I mean, right. records are all bullshit. I mean,
3: even like, yeah. so let's say Joyce wasn't diagnosed in the 1970s. How shit is that? Barry's like, I fucked up. I'm embarrassed. I'm going to go run away and you have to come with me.
1: I I have a feeling. So Barry seems like someone who just can't stop, won't stop for better or for worse. So I do have a feeling that. Joyce probably was uh, suffering some symptoms of ovarian cancer, mm-hmm. and be, because throughout all of this, what we'll find out about Barry is he's dumb, he's not honest, but it seems like he really loves his wife. Does he actually? <clears throat> I okay. You
3: get Emily that impression. I only did the note,
1: so I'm like, you you okay. get that impression. So I could I could totally see him being like, oh my god, I I just need to take care of you, like fuck all this bullshit that i'm into right we're like just you gonna, don't
3: need this stress yes i caused it but you don't need this stress we're
1: just gonna retire to this little provincial town
3: okay <laughs> so after moving to this tiny provincial town it would be about 30 years before anyone would hear from joyce or barry again so there's like a anyone, 30 year period
1: well like i'm sure like, like family and friends but like okay. the, public. the public never seen again it. So, in 2002, Barry received his concert, or or excuse me, revived revived his concert artist label and began releasing recordings of Joyce's work, exclusively Joyce's work this time. Joyce had spent the last 13 years playing and recording music, resulting in over 103 CDs. That's
4: a lot. Whoa. That's That's
1: a crap ton like even Buckethead is like whoa calm the fuck down bitch
4: and in, in how many years did all this happen
1: like within 13, 13 years, years yeah, yeah 13.
4: she she That's worked, a lot and, yeah.
1: and, and the music that she was playing was incredibly difficult and like very like you have to be a very proficient penis to pull this wow. off so she played Beethoven sonatas concertos by Brahms and all the other classic music nerds hits and the sheer amount of music that was being produced and released was impressive enough but Joyce's playing was all So, like, everyone's like, holy fucking shit, this bitch has crazy fingers. Yeah, it
3: was one of those, like, how have we never heard of this person? Where have they been? Like, Hmm. the fuck is going on? To the point where renowned English critic Sir John Frederick Neville Cardis. That is a name.
1: What? That's a name. (laughs) Sir Sir John Frederick (laughs) Neville Cardis. Neville Shire. (laughs) From New Zealand Shire.
3: I praised Joyce's playing and she became a star in the classical music world. She was praised by other prominent critics and in websites and publications like Music Web, the Boston Globe, and the Gramophone, the industry leading publication since 1923. It published a lengthy feature article on Joyce specifically. Mm. Re- yeah, right? Talking about Shires, Radio New Zealand aired an hour long (laughs) program dedicated only to Joyce's music, which included an interview with her.
2: Okay, so she's
1: having like this total renaissance, like all of a sudden she's releasing all this music. Everyone's like, oh, my fucking God, Joyce is the shit.
3: Right. Like she's like, I used to play. I used to be, you know, a teacher and a concert pianist. And and, you know, I, I was recognized, but not well
1: recognized. And now this is my time. And, like, if you you think about it, so the the story that's being perpetuated is that, you know, she's been diagnosed with ovarian cancer. She's been laying low and just obsessed with the piano, just playing music. Mm -hmm. Her husband, who happens to be a record producer, has 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 been been recording it, is now releasing it. Like, that's a story that we can all get into. There's so much drama and love, and it's very compelling. So Joyce was being lauded as this, unknown genius and when she died in june or on june 29th of 2006 that's how the world recognized her the guardian published an obituary for joyce that in part read that her discography quote in quantity musical range and consistent quality has been equaled by few penises In recent history. I can't let it go. That's huge, though. Like, to be
3: relatively obscured and, like, not in the public eye for 13 years, and then all of a sudden people are like, like you're a genius.
1: Like, 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, I think her last public performance was in 1976, and now we're in the early 2000s, and she's releasing, you know, over 100 albums of this very complex music. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So thanks to the internet, yay, internet, and the unfathomable number of albums she would put out, Joyce had her own professional renaissance. She became an iconic figure in her later years. Unfortunately, this, you know, surge of internet and this newfound popularity would kinda of be her downfall, unfortunately. Oh, my God, I can't Here wait.
1: comes the controversy. <laughs>
4: yeah, wow, I've been I am waiting. so, I'm like, something, I'm missing something. Right, this, like whole something time, right. whole time. this whole time you've been this looking whole... at
1: me with, like, the narrowed eyes, like, and, <laughs> and. <laughs> been
2: like, so there was an interview with her, so they did hear her voice. Did they see her face? Is she real? What's
1: right. What's that mean? That would actually be incredible right. if Joyce was never actually real. She was She's a real AI person, though. program, like, su- like
3: early aughts AI program. She's basically
1: Hatsune Miku. Like she, she doesn't exist. (laughs) So really quick, all of us like nineties babies, raise your hand if you've ever uploaded a CD on iTunes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's been a while, but. (laughs) So have you ever wondered how iTunes can magically recognize the artist's album and tracks that you've uploaded?
4: It's stored on the CD. Yeah. It's some, it's some sort of pro.
1: So it is, uh, it's all thanks to Grace Note Compact Disc Database or CDDB, 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 the CDDB is connected with iTunes, allowing iTunes to pull from its data and identify the CD you're importing. So like, I always thought it was just like, I don't know, I guess encrypted on the disc, but really what iTunes is doing is it's connected with this massive database and then pulls the information based on what you put in there. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with the CD itself. It's like, I guess the music it hears? I don't know. iTunes listening to my music feels uncomfortable. Yeah. Maybe maybe it shouldn't, but
3: you're like, stop. You'll, kn- you'll know, know I downloaded it from LimeWire. Stop
1: it, iTunes.
2: Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, Ra- also,
1: a- raise your hand if you, like, destroyed your family computer with LimeWire.
2: I, I never did lie, LimeWire. The family- yeah, I never yeah, right. did. Because I had a friend that did all my LimeWire stuff for me. Mine
3: was my older brother. So it was still my family computer, but it wasn't me. It was my older brother. That's a ride or die friend,
2: Rachel. Yeah,
3: that's right. I know.
2: I would just write her. I mean, this, these are the days before texting mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff too. So I would send her either an email or I would write it on a yeah. little note. You're like, like this is my like playlist. Weekly, please. here's my list of songs that I need. Weekly, oh, that's amazing. You'd be like, here's 25 songs, and of course, the one that comes to my mind right away. I can remember asking her to put Stacy's mom on a. Yeah.
1: Hey, I heard she's got it going on. I get it.
2: That's what yeah. I hear.
1: She's all yeah. that I want, and I've waited for so long. <sighs> I was I was the disc dealer in middle school like especially for anime music totally and, and j-pop music like I found all these websites where I could download the music and put them on cds and I would like I think I tried to sell them, but I was so obsessed with like converting all of my non anime friends into being anime fans where I was just like, Yeah, you have a J pop C D now. You think you're too good for this? Not anymore, bitch. <sighs> <laughs> so I was just like giving away CDs with J pop and anime music. And it was the exciting.
4: only anime music I know is Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah. Ready, steady, go.
1: Ready, steady, can't hold me back. Ready, steady, you can't sue me. <laughs> oh my God, that's a Let's good song. Get ready, ready, steady, go. That was definitely on several oh, of those CDs. 100%. Oh, yeah. That's one of those yeah. jams that you're like,
3: everyone will like yeah. this. And then I'll just secretly indoctrinate them into anime.
1: All the, all the otakus just like splooch a little. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so back to the siddiba Um Yes. Yeah, so that's how iTunes knows you're uploading, you're importing into it. And and then it can autofill all the information so you don't have to write it in there unless you download your shit from LimeWire and it's just got asterisks and till days and whatever. And you have to
3: rewrite it all. (laughs) Yeah. It's not like a super thing anymore. I guess I don't know. Do people still
1: use LimeWire? Okay, do do people still still use CDs? I think that's the question.
3: No, now you just download it onto LimeWire and then put it on your phone. I don't know. LimeWire I mean, might not even exist. I use
1: Spotify. Yeah. Also, uh, yeah. when I found the browser application that allowed me to download songs directly from YouTube, that was a game changer.
4: Mm. I didn't know mm-hmm. that was a thing. Yep. I didn't know that was a thing either. Oh, heck I yeah. have to download. That's, how I, Leah, that's well, how I get
2: all my recital music. Oh. Well, I, I know I'll from YouTube, YouTube to
4: mp3.com, but what are you guys referring yeah, to? Yeah, right? Like there, there's, there's there's actually like a... Uh, like. There's a browser. There's a
1: browser plugin. um, I haven't used it in ages because I just listen to Spotify now. Uh, But you can you can install it. Like I use Mozilla Firefox. You can install it on your browser, and it allows you to download the audio from YouTube videos, and then as an MP3, you can put it on your device and then just listen to music.
2: Very nice. Mm. I want all the young listeners
1: to realize all the bullshit that we went through just to
2: listen to music. It was a we lot. We went a lot. through a lot. a lot,
4: guys. Yeah. Okay.
2: We went through a lot, only to listen to it through a CD-ROM that right. would skip every time you yeah. took a breath.
4: And can yeah. we also talk <laughs> about the fact that, like, it was the shittiest quality? Oh, yeah. Of or sometimes
3: you'd get, like, ones that would, like, cut out, like, and that yeah. would actually
4: just be part of the track.
3: It wasn't your CD. Like, <laughs> I had one, it was Stone Sour Through Glass. That was that was the the track. And after a certain part, there was, like, it would play the song normally and then there was just like a high-pitched ee, after like a certain part and so I just became like associated with that so as I got older and started listening to Spotify and stuff I was like oh that's actually not part of the song <laughs> that's
4: hilarious <gasps> yeah I
3: was yeah. like, oh, also, that's just a shitty lime wire now, though, that Also I try to
1: record <laughs> Japanese music on a cassette tape to share with oh, your friends. Cassette.
4: Or, like, recording your um, phone, like, ringtone. Yep. Yes. Oh, God, yeah. Goddamn. Horrible that. audio quality. Yeah. But it so was the bad. jam in the day.
1: I Like, looking at, so Facebook, you know, has the memories thing, and looking at some of the photos that I took with my cell phones back in the day, I'm like, Jesus Christ! This is like some yeah. eight-bit
4: nightmare shit. Yeah. I recently found my photo bucket. Uh, oh. <laughs> it's been really great. Yeah, I bet. Oh my! You're God. like, it's like, yeah, that would be great.
1: Okay, archaeologists in the future are gonna like find all of our photo bucket accounts and like, it's like, oh my God, we uncovered this great vast vault of and they're photos. Be like, the
3: fuck is this shit? <laughs>
1: Everyone yep. like puckered all the time. The air must have been really sour at the t- sour back then. It was, it was crazy. Yep. yep. So, speaking of iTunes and how it just magically knows what you're listening to.
3: Yay. So, one day, an American, because we like to ruin everything, named Brian Ventura put one of Joyce's CDs into his computer and uploaded it to iTunes. To his surprise, Uh-oh. iTunes didn't identify it as. Joyce's CD. It told him the CD was litsitz Transcendental Studies by Hungarian pianist Laszlo Simon.
1: Hmm. Which mm-hmm. is completely different than Joyce. Joyce
2: Hatto. Right. Correct. Not Joyce.
1: So, so while most Laszlo. of us who are accustomed to uploading shit from LimeWire, downloading stuff from YouTube, recording Japanese music via cassette.
4: Allegedly. 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 <laughs>
1: There are no admissions made no. here. This is
3: all allegedly. This is all secondhand
1: lie. accounts.
2: It's all secondhand hypothetical. accounts. Hypothetical. I had a friend yeah. who had
1: a cousin who had a wife who downloaded who from LimeWire. who made Back allegedly in
2: the 90s. Yeah. So, none of us were even around in the 90s anyway, so yeah, obviously we no, were not involved. I was still in a that. twinkle
1: in my father's eye. It's fine. <laughs> right. So while most of us who are ex- you know experienced or allegedly experienced with technology just being a fucking mess, <laughs> yeah. we would probably chalk this up to like Technological shenanigans, whatever, or oh my iTunes
4: God. being an idiot.
1: Yeah, who yeah. the fuck yeah. knows? But Brian Ventura was not he one of these
4: people. It. Did he work for Apple or something? Yeah, right. He's like, I this could, is not
1: right. I could not find any more information about him, but I just assume that having the last name Ventura, like he was destined to be the protagonist or detective. like the person who like yeah, cracked the he case. Was a detective, yeah. <laughs> Officer, Detective Brian Ventura, do duck face with me. <laughs> So, he took it a step further, reaching out to classical music critics and asking them to investigate. He's like, "Mm, this is a little weird. Let's look into it. So, there had been some earlier rumors that perhaps Joyce's work was not her own. In 2005, a musicologist reported for Yahoo! Yay! With the exclamation point that one of Joyce's pieces had the same exact mistake as a recording by pianist Carlo Granti. But, like... Nothing was done.
3: I would just like to say that I love that Brian's like, mm, this is weird. I'm not going to actually look into it myself. I'm going to send it to someone else and be like, guys, this
4: is weird.
1: Leaders know how to delegate, though. Good on you, Brian. He's a detective.
3: He's, he's clearly a manager. He's not a musicologist. Really
4: a it's a strength. It's yes. Be able he's be a
3: manager. Out, so. It's fine. So... Because there was already some skepticism, there was also some skepticism that a pianist who hadn't performed in decades and was also fighting ovarian cancer could produce such quality work. Critic Christopher mm. Howell, who positively reviewed a few of Joyce's albums, would later say, quote, it should have been obvious that one elderly sick woman could never have recorded all of that music, end quote. Mm.
1: And this is the part where I would love to say, like, um, but she did. But she didn't.
2: But, oh, mm. man. Joyce.
1: I it's it, it sucks because she like she was, uh, you know, a very skilled pianist. But mm-hmm. this totally the, the scandal we're about to talk about totally overshadows her her legacy and work. So even though there was some of this like, mm, I don't know, it sounds a little too good to be true. Further investigation was not carried out until Brian Ventura, Detective Officer Brian Ventura raised
2: the <laughs> alarm. So just- Expert iTunes user. Right, exactly. Yes,
1: <laughs> preferred <laughs> iTunes user. He's verified on yeah. Spotify
2: now. He has a
3: green checkmark. <laughs> yes. It's not blue, it's yeah. green checkmark. <laughs> <laughs> just six months after Joyce's death, the truth would be revealed. Joyce's wow. albums were actually recordings of other lesser-known artists produced as her own work. This practice goes by many names, plagiarism, piracy, fraud, or theft. Basically, all of these things are big no-nos. You should not do any yeah. of them. You will get kicked out of school if you commit plagiarism. <laughs>
1: we So this is a fun little part of local history. Our uh, public school superintendent plagiarized part of a letter yeah. that he like sent out to staff, yeah. and he got fired yeah. for it. People
3: found out, and they were wow. like, the fuck
1: are you doing? Because he did not credit the original writer, and literally they're like, we, like, destroy children's academic careers over this. You are the yeah. superintendent. We can't let you plagiarize shit.
2: Oh, my God. Right. Wow. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. So plagiarism. It's a big deal, kids. Don't do it. Don't fucking do it. Oh, my <laughs> God.
2: Leah, your fucking cat. I love him so
1: much. No. <laughs> do not hide his shine. <laughs> his butt was in my face, and I loved it. <sighs> I'm okay, so sorry. So... Anyway, Emily has a
3: problem. Don't worry about it. It's okay.
1: It. It's okay because Leah's cat was not committing fraud or plagiarism. Right. But Joyce and Barry were. So the British phonographic industry who had launched a formal investigation described this whole situation as, quote, one of the most extraordinary cases of piracy the record industry had ever seen. I gasp! I wonder <gasps> when LimeWire was founded because... <sighs>
3: yeah, I know,
2: right? I'm like... like Allegedly and familiar with much more piracy than that. <laughs> right? I'm
3: like, mm. Wasn't there like pirate.com oh, for yeah. a minute. There was. Yeah. yeah. Well, and do you remember as being like a kid who allegedly downloaded things or knew people that downloaded things? They always had that like there was that scare tech that was like, oh, this woman got arrested for downloading stuff and they she owes like millions of dollars to like the government, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And like, so you like always were like low key anxious about like if I download this song, am I going to get arrested?
4: <laughs> or like um, on all the like DVDs, uh-huh. when you first started the menu, it would be like, downloading is piracy.
3: It's a crime. Those really intense 90s ads. I, know, for yeah. I don't know if yeah.
1: either of you have seen the IT crowd, but they do a parody of that. They're like, you right. wouldn't. You wouldn't kill a cop. You wouldn't steal that cop's hat and then shit in it and leave it on his widow's doorstep. And you wouldn't illegally download a movie. (laughs) It's
3: It's so extreme.
1: It's insane. Those commercials were ridiculous.
3: Right. So by the time this extraordinary case of piracy was coming to attention, Joyce was gone. And the only person left to answer for this wide-scale fraud... Hmm, I wonder oh, who that was. husband. Yeah. That had, you know, fooled the same critics before. Berenstein was good. There. Yeah.
1: Was good old Barry. <laughs> good old Barry. Good, good old Barry Brister. So Barry claimed that he had only inserted pieces of other musicians' work. To smooth out problem areas in Joyce's recordings. So he's that's like, no, 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 it's no, no. way more legal. I just, I'm if like, that's
2: illegal, but also makes zero sense. Right, that that's... would be us recording a podcast episode and I flub up a word, so I insert Kelly saying the word instead. Like, that just sounds. Stupid. Well, it would be yeah. just so like much harder because you have
3: to identify like that one
2: little tiny piece in the recording, and, and get it all the right pitch yeah. and the so right pitch, quality. Yeah. The t- yeah, that makes actually no sense. And
1: like, like, I'm not a tech historian, but I doubt this bitch had audacity,
2: right? Exactly. <laughs> like this
1: shit was not easy in 2000. You know, whatever. Four like, or Yeah. So. Also, it's still illegal. It's like when you get caught doing something wrong and you're like, okay, well, I did, like, a little thing wrong, but I didn't do, like, the big thing. Like, I did a little part of it, but I didn't do the big thing. I only
2: plagiarized 10% of the paper. Right, exactly. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So he has written apologies to the record labels of the artists he had stolen music from, but has never actually taken, like, full responsibility, and he seems to yo-yo between the, like, whole whoops my bad and y'all are getting all worked up over nothing which is just oh my god you love to see the gaslighting behavior right. like <laughs> I did something wrong but this is your problem
3: yeah wow so it, yeah Barry's a piece of work And interv- inter- in an interview with the Daily Mail Barry actually said quote I know what I did was wrong but I'm not about to feel guilty for things I didn't do end quote uh, yep in the Daily Telegraph, he also said, quote, I don't consider I've hurt anybody. A lot of attention has been drawn to forgotten artists <coughs> that quote. he
1: stole from.
2: But it's right. not under their name. No. It's... I don't like if if my work gets put out there, I'm not happy it got put out there if it's under someone else's name. Right. Because you're not getting the credit. Like that artist that or that no person sense, is not Barry. actually getting the credit.
1: They're yes. only the the only reason their it, name might come up is because everyone found out that you stole from right.
2: them. Oh my god, that is like really gaslighting yeah. and horrible. Also, could that you is, I,
1: could you give me a beautiful painting and I'll just like tell my friends right. you did it because rent and food are not things that right. require money. Right.
2: I just but like it just, revived your artwork and now people have seen yeah. your artwork, but they didn't know it was yours. But it's still but revived they've seen it, it.
4: right? Yeah, but they've exactly. seen it. So.
2: I I
3: just like the first quote. I know what I did was wrong, but I'm not going to feel guilty about things I didn't do. It's like, how do you admit something
1: and then say you didn't do it in literally the exact same sentence? Hashtag sorry, not sorry.
0: Yeah.
1: Yep. And and like, so to be fair and like, Obviously, Barry said these things, and that's very indicative of him as a person. The Daily Mail and the Daily Telegraph, I understand those are not, like, illustrious publications. But (laughs) no one else probably wanted to deal with him. They're like, you're a fucking liar anyways. And even his apologies, even in his apologies to these record companies and artists, he wrote, quote, It is self-evident that I have acted stupidly, dishonestly, and unlawfully. I regret having misled the consumers about the full nature of the Haddo recordings. It's like, hey, hey, I should have acknowledged that, like, sections or all of it was completely stolen and plagiarized. Mabby. Can't.
2: Cannot.
1: Right? I know. It's ridiculous. It's really hard to like Barry. Yeah.
4: Uh (laughs) I also, maybe you'll get to this, but, well, I would assume not since Barry is being such a little closed mouth bitch about it but i'm wondering <laughs> how involved um joyce was joyce was yeah. we we will yeah we'll, we'll, we'll get into that a
1: little and we are free to speculate because honestly no one actually knows how much he did or did not know
4: yeah okay. because she's dead yeah right
1: and honestly this worked out very well for her because she died before all this came out <laughs> right, so she's like, got to be like this yep yeah.
3: Yeah. So as Barry's going around semi apologizing, but not really apologizing, he was asked why he engaged in this large scale fraud anyways. And he explained, quote, it wasn't that I was disappointed about her not getting the recognition she deserved. It wasn't to grab any glory for myself. It wasn't a case of publicity seeking either. If I think something is wrong, I can't let it go until I've made it better. I'll perfect it or I'll throw it away rather than pass what I think is substandard.
1: So he's like it, it wasn't all I these
4: need obvious all of that
2: all again and we need to break yeah. down every single sentence one by one. Here's what here's what
4: I took away. It's ridiculous. he was like this isn't there's no legitimate reason for this right. and it especially was not for the benefit of my wife my dying wife I know no. right. it was because I am a sociopath or like I'm a perfectionist a perfectionist right. to the point of insanity that yeah. I just needed to make it sound better right. her shit oh, okay that now specific. I understand yeah. Yeah. like yeah. he's, he's literally you. giving Got up
3: it. any even semi-legitimate excuse. They're not legitimate excuses, but he's basically like, it wasn't for my wife. It wasn't for myself. It was just because I, like, I heard this thing. It wasn't quite right and I needed to perfect it. It's like, (sighs) then why did you put out 103
1: albums? (sighs) Have you ever, have you ever met someone, um, who they they're doing something shady and they blame every they say everyone else is doing the shady thing and you find out oh no that's what they were doing the whole time that's mm-hmm. what this reminds me of yeah. like he he's coming up with these reasons that he didn't do it and it's like why do i feel like those are the reasons you definitely right. did do it yeah. though yeah.
2: Well, like someone whenever him- whenever someone is like excusing themselves and gives you all the potential excuses those and they're like, no, but they the weren't reasons. those. Yeah. Like yeah, some no, of we, his like literally, we weren't even talking about that. Right. Some <laughs> of
3: his not excuses are almost better than his like lit, like what he's saying he actually did it for. I'm like,
2: yeah. You know, that, that's what I've been saying this yeah. whole time is like, just say you did it for financial gain or notoriety or whatever. Or because, because that your wife was dying. More... Or because your wife was dying and you loved her. <laughs> All of that makes a zillion times more sense to me than I'm such a perfectionist right. that I plagiarized other people's work and inserted just parts of like liter- that makes no right. sense. It makes like, no sense. You'd
3: garner more sympathy and people might actually be like, "Oh, maybe it's not as bad if you're just like, you know, my wife was dying, I just really wanted her to get that." You know, like for one last
4: wish. Play the
1: sympathy card. <laughs> yeah, come on.
4: Even I know that. Play but the sympathy card. I, I
1: feel like that's a testament to that this is a person who definitely thinks he's smarter than everyone yeah. else. And like, like you see this in a lot of true crime cases where the, the perpetrator is lying to the police because they're used to lying to everyone else right. and everyone else being too polite or not having the resources to look, at it, look into it. The cops can look into it. The right. cops can check to see if you were at that Burger King between, you know, 8 p.m. Right. and 8.30 p.m. You can't yeah. lie to them, yeah. and, and they're just like, well, I don't understand why people don't just believe me. It's like, because these people are fact-checking you, dummy.
2: Yeah. So, and, I mean, you can point all the way back to his fraud case in the 60s. Right, is that like, what it was? That There was a quote that came out of that that said, this guy's a dummy. Right, like, you it's have this much of a narcissist
4: to Yeah.
2: Yeah. So
1: Barry has been adamant that Joyce knew nothing of the fraud. And he said, quote, I've lost my friends. I bitterly regret the whole thing. Let's play the tiny violin and not feel bad for him. Not because I was caught with my fingers in the till, but because of the controversy and the damage it's done to Joyce's name. She doesn't deserve it. She was an honest person, quite devoid of guile. That's the awful thing. I'm like, well, you also kind of like stole music from lesser known right, artists like, who couldn't fight back. So it, maybe
3: if this is anyone's fault for like
1: defiling Joyce's name,
4: it's, it's, yours. Yours. it's literally yes. yours.
1: Again, it's this complete abdication of responsibility. And also like this. Now he's trying to pull the sympathy card. He's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I like did this. So I ruined my dead wife's reputation
2: mm-hmm.
1: by being a stupid piece of shit. Right.
2: I also felt like that quote almost directly said, I'm not sorry for what I did. I'm sorry I got caught. Yes. That is how that quote felt. 100%. Like
3: he says that I'm not sorry that I got caught, but then like he's, but like the underlying of the second part is like, but I am sorry I
2: got caught. Not because I got my fingers
1: caught in the till, but actually yes. But because it
2: created controversy that I'm now swept up in. Right. So unfortunately, like we
3: mentioned, we'll never really know how much Joyce knew or participated in this fraud. It is worth mentioning that during the interview she did with Radio New Zealand, which put on that hour-long program dedicated to this music she had put out, she never alluded to the music not being hers. Mm. Was this because she was lying or because she didn't know? Like There is the possibility that she was actually playing all this music. And she genuinely thought what Barry was producing was her music and she just didn't realize that he was putting out other people's shit or she may have known and didn't care or some combination thereof. We'll never know.
1: I personally have a hard time believing she didn't know because Barry made it very clear throughout their life and throughout their marriage what kind of person he was. And even if there was some like, lying to yourself involved I think she knew what was going on but she had resigned herself to it
2: and I think you know too sometimes we are unwilling to be self-aware you know you I think back to the 90s when we would like record ourselves singing a song (sighs) on a webcam or something and there's this this uh denial about how bad your singing voice actually is but I think even if you think you're an amazing pianist or singer or whatever when you hear it back you know whether it's you or not whether right. you're under some sort of denial or not you know whether you you are indeed that talented in that field or yeah. not
1: so Rachel I don't know how you found my old webcam footage but I will right? hunt you down for this <laughs> I know.
3: but that's exactly what I was thinking Rachel like because even if we were saying like oh you replace like a word of you speaking with like me saying that word instead Yes. You're going to like as the person that is speaking or as the person yeah. that is doing the thing, even if you're yes. shitty at it and you think you're not, you're you're going to know if it's you or not. Like there's yes. that moment where you're like, mm,
4: that's that's yes. not me. I'm also I quite surprised that the artists who he stole from or plagiarized haven't tried to investigate a little more how much <laughs> of their work was included in it, because I, I don't, I mean, like, I know enough to edit our podcast, but, like, even, I, not much more than that, but even I know, like, it wouldn't be that hard to be able to tell if something was a, like, copy of my, of an audio mm-hmm. file. Right. right? That's mm-hmm. pretty easy.
1: And, and we, we will get into that kind of, like, if, Barry is held accountable for all this bullshit or not. So he totally could have been sued into oblivion by the record labels he defrauded Because not only is he stealing from these artists, but these artists are contracted under record labels who have a lot of money and have a lot of, lot at stake in this. Mm-hmm. But as the chairman of BIS Records, Robert Von Barr, one of the record mm. labels that was defrauded, said, quote, Given the circumstances surrounding the Haddo's sickness and fate, I'm not moved to mm-hmm. seek revenge. Barr also described Barry's actions as, quote, a desperate attempt to build a shrine to a dying wife. So right. this guy, it, the whole thing was so pathetic and sad, and they're like, like, Barry, you suck, yeah. but we can't, like, really right. shit on but Joyce there's, for there's this. like, a part of me,
3: like, deep down in my soul that's like, like... I know you said that you think Barry's a good husband or, like, but, like, there's part of me, like, in my soul that's, like, "Mm, I think he did it for himself.
1: Well, I'm not saying he's not selfish, but I think in the capacity that Barry can, he did care for his wife.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just don't think he, like, produced
1: all this music for her. I think he did it for himself. No, 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 no. This was definitely, like, for his own gain.
2: So, after kind of being... And then used her... It almost sounds like used her after the fact. Yeah, yeah. yeah, after the fact. That wasn't the motivation, but it is the excuse. Hundred yeah. percent.
1: And then uh so- something else I didn't put it in here, but uh Robert Van Bar said he was just like, I don't think there was a lot of money that they made out of this whole scheme. So it's really yeah. not worth trying to like. It's okay. it's not like they stole millions of dollars from us. Yeah, like, right. like Joyce had this- all this
4: effort and for what
1: exactly like Joyce had all this recognition but they it's it's not like they became millionaires from this this could all
4: really be uh like an allegory or like a um you know kind of tied into all the work we put into our shitty uh downloads from LimeWire really like (laughs) was it really worth committing a crime I mean allegedly committing a crime And you know, going through like an hour download for this one crappy one three minute song (laughs) that you don't even remember for Stacy's mom.
2: Was it really worth it?
1: But I waited for so long. (laughs) Stacy, can't you see?
3: I will say one of the best videos I've seen like on TikTok slash YouTube or whatever like lately is like the the guy rebutting state it's not even a rebuttal to Stacey's mom but it's like a response and they're like what is wrong with that mom that she's like coming out with a towel on when there's a teenage boy and like it's so funny because yeah, it's to yeah. the tune of the original Stacy's mom but he's like singing about like what is wrong with you as like a mom that you are that's doing awesome. this to a teenage boy yeah, <laughs> anyways that's awesome so while Barry was let off the hook and he would go on to live the rest of his life, he would die in Royston on October 19th, 2014. So fairly recently.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it ba- basically, like, all of this scandal yeah. came out. Um, he was embarrassed. He was shamed. He but he and- didn't suffer any serious consequences because everyone just was like, he's so pitiful. Like, yeah. like that's the impression I got. It's just like, he's so pathetic.
4: So while the artists, agree with that, yeah. So while the artists who
1: had their work stolen were obviously victims of all of this, and the record labels who are being defrauded, Jesus Christ,
2: Leah, I love your cat. (laughs) I know. I keep looking at him too. Oh my
1: God, he's playing with a little ball. Pretty
4: cute back there. Yeah. So I'm I think this is Mal's podcast sure. now. Oh my god. For sure. Does Don't Mal have do a, a that.
1: webcam that I can watch 24-7? Because I need that in my life. Oh
4: my God. So I'll cute. set it up for you. Yeah.
1: So talking about anyway, moving away from the cat and talking about the victims of this horrible fraud. <laughs> the critics and the professionals who were also taken in by Joyce's work did suffer embarrassment and shame leading to underrated attention considering the scale of this fraud. And I think, okay, maybe this is just me as like someone who can't carry a tune, but I don't think people are super invested in what's going on in the classical musical world. But also mm. these critics who had lauded her, they're like, oh my gosh, they fucking tricked me. We're all just not going to talk about it and hope everyone yeah. forgets about it.
4: That was yep. going to be my question too, is like the people who accepted her and like, put her like up on a platform and stuff and we're like oh my gosh look at her and all her accomplishments i'm just like you you didn't think 103 Right, like there was no like record? Right. there was no question about right. this and you didn't recognize
2: right. it, it definitely speaks to which we kind of already talked about this earlier but poor journalism that there was like no fact checking going on whatsoever
1: yes well and i i think that there is a a built-in defense on Joyce and Barry's part because what do you look like as someone who's accusing this aging dying pianist who has cancer of like not actually producing this work because people were kind of like this seems a little too good to be true but it didn't go anywhere because I don't think anyone wanted to be the person that was like hey the the pianist with ovarian cancer is lying to us. Yeah. You don't want to accuse someone dying of cancer that they're lying to you. And that is yeah. a huge wall of defense because no one wants to yep. say anything. Right. That's and I'm not true. saying we should all just start harassing people with cancer. I'm just saying, like, that's, I feel the natural inclination for normal, respectable people. It's like, mm, maybe I won't touch that.
2: Yeah. yeah, I get that. And I also get them not wanting to. To be held accountable, either these journalists and people that, like Leah said, placed <laughs> placed um, her up on a pedestal that they don't want to call attention. Oh! <laughs> Leah, you fucking
1: monster.
4: <laughs> he's, like, embarrassed.
1: <laughs> Emily's, like, this is the best day ever.
2: I'm
4: just, like, no, I feel like he's, he's really, really cute back there. Us. So to, so I to like our patrons
1: it. who can't see this, uh, Leah's cat you Mal is having, or I'm sorry, to our non-patrons who can't see this, our, uh, Leah's cat Mal is just putting on a straight-up, like, a show. clinic. A show. He's putting on a show. He's putting on a clinic yeah. and being cute. And we are all, like, trying to talk about this serious topic. And we're all, like, cracking up. And Leah blurred her screen, and I'm just like, "How dare you?" <laughs> <That was laughs> to awesome. not rob it was us, great. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. Sorry, Rachel, you um, were
2: saying. <laughs> I, I I mean that was very distracting in the best kind of way, but yeah, just I think like it's very human to not want to question, right? Someone that whose wife is going through terminal cancer, but then it's also super human, very human to be defensive of your own shortcomings that they did not further investigate these journalists you know the journalists didn't do any fact checking or anything so of course they're not talking about it after the fact either they don't want to call attention to themselves that yeah. they also messed up
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's like when a study is put out that says oh cath cafe- study suggests that caffeine makes you smarter and then like they debunk it and no one hears about no. the second study nope
2: yeah you're totally right about that. Yeah.
1: So there
3: was one critic, Jeremy Nichols, who was stunned into admiration when like the CDs originally launched by Joyce's music and the fact that she was one of only four pianists to master and record all 53 of of Chopin's um, etudes. I was like, I didn't do music. There's are
1: studies. I think it's like fancy speak for studies. So, so like, tell us. <laughs>
3: Yeah. Is it uh, yes. French? I don't know. All, all of <laughs> Chopin's fifty-three whatever he did. Um He would actually like double down and would go on to write about her later. Quote, I have no hesitation in saying that Joyce Hatto is one of the greatest pianists I have ever heard. Like he's just like, you know well, what?
1: So so he did he didn't say that after all oh, this came out. Okay. So he's he's an example of a prominent um critic and obviously like musical connoisseur professional. Mm-hmm. Who is straight up saying, like, she's one of the greatest, greatest pianists ever. And then you ever. never heard from him after. And this is, and I just, I put this in there to really try to depict the kind of stakes that the critics and the people who defended her had because they're lauding her. They're like, she's the greatest shit in the whole really? world. And then it comes yeah. out, it wasn't her music. At that point, you literally just shut the hell up right. forever.
2: Yeah, yeah. he's, he's, he's out there being down like, disappear.
3: he's like, he's out there being like, oh, she's one of like only four to have ever done this. This is amazing. And then, yeah, like, they're like, oh, it wasn't her. And he's just like. Bye.
2: Yeah. yeah.
3: Yep. <laughs> You're like, what? I didn't say that. We're just going to talk about this other person now.
4: Yeah. Oh, look at how cute Mal is. Let's distract ourselves.: yeah. <laughs> Yep.
1: From all the
3: sadness. Not even,
4: the sh- not even in the shot right now.
1: When we needed you, Mal. Mal, you were supposed to be here for us. You're the hero we We needed, but didn't deserve, apparently. So, yeah, that
3: was Joyce Haddo and the very interesting controversy around her
4: and her husband, Barry. Yeah. The perilous
1: pianist.
4: I definitely agree with you that I... It's hard for me to accept or believe that she didn't have any idea of what was happening, Um but maybe not the extent to which or the extent right. of what was happening. Yeah. Maybe know. it was like,
3: oh, maybe, you know, that's not mine and that's not mine. But like, oh, maybe the rest of them are, you know, like, yeah. especially if you're that like in love mm-hmm. with your husband that you're like, oh, you know, maybe he, you know, faked a few tracks and the rest, you know, or maybe she just it was like active denial. Like, I don't yeah. want to think about it. I don't care. Yeah. Like I'm doing I'm I'm dying. And, like, whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I think there were a lot of reasons for her to not look into it further and not question things. But I I... I have a hard time believing she wasn't, she didn't have an inkling at all.
2: Yeah. and One of you said it, and I don't recall whom, but she was familiar with his character. She'd been with him for a really long time and knew what type of person he was. Mm -hmm. So, But I do think that can be, that can go two ways. One... She knew he was a fraudster, and she did, She just knew who she was married to. She knew she was married to a fraudster. Or that could go the other way, that someone like him is probably pretty manipulative and convincing. And so even if she is pretty sure he lies from time to time, surely everything he says can't be a lie. Surely, you know, he has to be telling somewhat truth. So I think mm-hmm. she could have even just been manipulated, too. Yeah. yeah. But going back to what we've all been saying, I think everyone is aware of their own talents and abilities. And if I, going back to my example, if I replaced a word that I cannot pronounce with Kelly's voice saying this word that I cannot pronounce, I would know it was not me.
3: Yes. (laughs) I would know that it was not me. When you're sick and when you're not feeling your best you're not going to be performing at your best and like oh, even yeah. if you don't want to admit it somewhere in the back of your mind you know that
4: yeah yes and the thing with um pianists and I know Rachel plays more piano than I do but like I, I feel like once you get to a certain level you age does very much affect your abilities mm. as but especially with like piano right playing piano because oh yeah it's all such intricate little muscles and stuff and as you get older those get weak and those you know even put aside her terminal cancer like just her age might have made that kind of harder to believe if you thought about it critically yeah yeah
1: something and I feel like maybe I'm imposing my own experiences but like and there was no there was no information that I found that suggested that Barry was abusive physically or emotionally. He's definitely like a a liar. Um, So we can infer what we want from that. But I think there's a lot to be said. If things are going well, he's doing well. He's happy. He's positive. He's helpful. And as long as that keeps going, she wants that to keep going at any cost, especially if she's suffering Mm -hmm. um and and so I think the whole idea of like keeping the peace and just yeah hey things are going really well for me I'm not going to question why and looking the other way is a huge thing and like I've experienced that personally and it is a really big motivator to just kind of ignore all the shady stuff you know is going on
2: that's a very good point and especially if she sadly knew that death was approaching Mm -hmm. why not just keep the peace for the next few months or whatever it is yeah Yeah.
1: but i i think it's it's unfair and perhaps bordering on sexist to say like oh she's just as like she had no idea how could she she was so dumb and it's like no let's give her some credit let's give her some autonomy she was not an idiot yeah. Unfortunately, we don't know more about her thoughts and feelings throughout all this. But I don't want to discredit her intelligence or her self awareness.
2: Yeah. By definitely. saying she
1: had no idea.
2: Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, thank you for that story because I don't know that I would have ever heard mm-hmm. of yeah, it before, I've and never, that was fascinating. Yeah.
1: yeah no. I uh, I found it. It was like a a post on Facebook where someone was like, "Oh, Joyce Hato was this prolific." you know, pianist. And then someone popped her CD into iTunes. And I'm like, (laughs) my early aughts heart is singing right now. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, normally this is the part where we say what we're thankful for, but honestly, we're just so thankful that (laughs) That you were kind enough to join us and take the time to tell some stories with us and listen to our bullshit and make some cocktails that were... (sighs) more or less difficult to you know or be <laughs> jealous of the everyone. cocktails yeah.
4: because you know you're
3: growing yeah. people
4: yeah,
1: yeah it's it's too. fine Rolling
4: little humans inside you.
1: oh my yeah. god okay so I um I haven't checked Amazon but I checked the National Women's History Museum they don't have like little RBG onesies like uh, with Amazon the, does with the cow
2: Amazon does Amazon does
1: but I want to support the National Women's History Museum they have other amazing onesies so do
3: they
2: you okay. expect you may be a couple of onesies from us?
1: Expect some in the mail oh, they are also okay, supporting the National Women's You're History so <laughs> <laughs> Museum. Don't look.
2: Well then that's that's what I'll say I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for you ladies and your friendship. And mm-hmm. this was super fun. Thanks for having us on the show. Yeah. Always. I second that. Thank and you.
1: And thank you so much for doing your podcast. You really you bring to light topics that even if we think we know them, yeah. you always bring to bring to light something that we didn't know. You you covered uh, Catherine Switzer. Who I covered in a previous episode, I learned more. Listen yeah. to your episode. I'm like, shit, I should have waited and listened to theirs before I did this.
2: You know what, though, that happens to me all the time is mm-hmm. it, it can feel like you've done all the research. Hours and hours. Yeah. You've done all the re- research, and there will still be someone out there that knows something that you don't know. Right. Um, yeah. That's actually, I love when other podcasts cover the same topics that we do because I always learn something that I didn't find in my own research.
1: Yeah. And that's what this all is. It's all of us just trying to learn more. And it's amazing. Yep. It's a wonderful community. But yeah, it thank is. you so much for being our pod friends. Thank you so much for the incredible podcast that you put out. If you are not listening so to saying? hashtag history, <laughs> if you if you like even like us a little, you are going to love hashtag history and you can find them wherever you find us. So right after this episode, go find their shit. It's amazing.
4: Like Ra- all of it. Yes. Rachel
1: know? and Leah, do you want to tell our listeners where else they can find you?
4: Sure, we are pretty much primarily on Instagram right now at hashtag history underscore podcast. We we dabbled in TikTok, but then I deleted my TikTok app, and so we haven't been posting to that a lot lately. And and we dabbled in Twitter, but then I deleted my Twitter. So. Yeah. yeah, Twitter's so a thing. We're we're yep. really I should say Rachel's excellent at Instagram. Yeah, um, that's Emily. So yeah. So you can find us on there. So it's, again, hashtag history underscore podcast. Mm -hmm. Or our website. (laughs) Duh. Uh, We're at hashtag history dash pod dot com.
1: Also, if you want, you can buy hashtag history a cocktail and get a shout out on their podcast, which is is really great if you're also like an indie podcast who needs some love from some amazing ladies and you want to sponsor other ladies drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like we may not be able to physically purchase you a drink right now. One we day. can sponsor your cocktail we
2: and I've, I I've got it. one
1: in your queue and I'm very excited to see what you come
2: up with. Yeah, you, you do. Thank you so much for that.
1: Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of whining about History with the sweet ass hashtag history crossover. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. I'm, I'm Leah. <laughs> Have an empowered day. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs>